Episode 135, Hotshot Scott is back in the chair after almost getting Wally pipped by a 15-year-old. You know who Wally Pip is? Uh, yes, I do. After almost getting Wally pipped by a 15-year-old ninth grader last week. And rightly so, I'd say, if I did get Wally pipped. He was pretty good. <laughs> he was good, wasn't <laughs> he? Not bad. Not bad at all. We thank Dylan Shope, ninth yeah. grader from Mercer Island, for being a, an emergency fill-in. And you know the story by now. He reached out to me. Yeah. I think I've told this story. After contacting 38 people first. And he admitted that to me. That's yeah. the first thing he told me when he was doing the interview for his school or for his podcast or for his school's radio station. Thank you, Mr. Levy, for coming on. I just want you to know you really saved me. I called like 12 or 14 people. <laughs> no, And then I came across your name and I said, uh, do you, had, you don't know. And he, he admitted I, he had no idea who I was. Well, he, he sounded like he wished he wouldn't have said that. And he, he, <laughs> You could tell he sounded very remorseful when you guys discussed well, it. Well, and then we went on his on his show. He said, "What do you have? What kind of advice do you have for a ninth grader that would like to think about getting into the business?" And the, for, of course, as a smartass, the first thing I said was, "Well, I only have one piece of advice: never tell a guest they were your they were your twelfth choice." Yeah, that's probably sage advice right there. And then you also made an appearance on another podcast this week. Yeah, that, and you know who to thank for that. The guy sitting across from you? Yeah. 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 Thank, thanks for spreading my... Anybody else you gave my number to? Well, hey, hopefully... What did you do? Put it on bulletin boards? I did. Hey, my friend Mitch needs something to do. Yes. Call him <laughs> if you have a podcast. There's a, there's a bathroom wall that says, for a bad time, call this number instead of a good time. Yeah, well, I'm actually everywhere. glad you gave my number to Tom. Tom Wassel you're talking about, but... I don't know. I'm not a guy who gives people's numbers out unless I check with them first. Well, I've, I've where where are you on? I, well, I, I guess I should ask. I know where you are. On well, that. I don't want anyone doing it to me. No, I've um, <laughs> I've I've texted you in the past and said, hey, so yeah. and so asked if they can have your number. It's always, of course, well, uh, sure. Why would I care? Uh. Is that are we talking about the same Mitch Levy? <laughs> yeah. It's, and I figured a guy who was in the business, you you know, it's not. I, Tom and I really don't even know each other. Yeah. I guess we do now. Yeah, yeah. We did a big thing on his Twitch. Apparently, Seth Everett didn't ask for my number. <laughs> That's true. He's had enough of you. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't even promote the show that you're on. Yeah, I Seth had to Everett. like force yeah. it in at the yeah, end. Yeah, I did. A, I did an hour. I did two hours. Was it two hours? Yeah, an I hour and fifty it. minutes. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Listen to a lot of it. I was doing errands, and yeah, it was good. It was fun. Really, you did? I was driving I around. I wouldn't think and... of you as a guy who would listen to me and Tom Tom Wassel and me. Well, only because I did the show a couple days earlier, and I want yeah, I want to make said, sure you guys didn't bring it down. Something about wrestling. You did a wrestling <laughs> show with him. I did. I've not. I'm sorry. I've it's not an, listened to it's it. It's insane. We sat and watched a, a Saturday night main event from 1985 that aired on NBC, and we just sat I, and we watched it together, I and think, we just talked about I it. I think I'd use a different word than insane. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> it was. But God, it was fun, boy! I, you really did. I loved it. This is I what you do it. on Twitch. You you play, you replay something, and you guys comment about it. That's Twitch, right? And anytime anyone asks me to do anything, I always say yes. So I did it. I well, was like, of course. Sure. Well, you're yeah. not. You're a nice guy. That's right. That's, that's you're what the I one am. nice guy on this show. Yes. Anyway, uh, where was I? Well, I was right? going to say. I hope you know that Dylan Shope. Thank you yes. for the. And you're back from Idaho. You were you were gone last week. Yeah, that's right. Yes. But you were back for the patron show. Oh, yeah. And we had a return of Jason Hamilton on the patron show. Yep. He was really good. We, yep. we laughed a lot. We giggled. Yep. So, and then you came. Yeah. The, we got to talk about this either on the air or off the air. Are we on the air? Can I say on the air on a podcast? You're not, not on the air in the podcast. Nah, it's not no. the air. Yeah. No, I, Unless you have a 50,000 watt laptop. I've been from that business, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, you sitting across from a guy. I don't, I don't think either of <laughs> us are welcomed on that. No. On the air. Nonsense. And we both did a podcast with a guy who's not okay. welcome either. I don't know if any of our listeners know of people who drive with extra 
extra loud radio stuff going on and stuff that you enhanced your you probably added on to your extra car loud radio stuff yes that's whatever what what, whatever you were doing we could hear you literally down the block and i'm deaf and i'm wearing headsets upstairs yeah and we heard you like coming down our street you're one of those guys where the thing shakes. I mean, you, you pull up next to you at a light. You're yeah. one of those dudes yeah. with the sunglasses yeah. on. What's going on there? A couple things. I'm surprised this is the first time, actually, because I do. I, I just never noticed before. My wife was like, you got to tell him. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> My wife gets so pissed at me when I Does come she? home and it's loud. Yeah. We have like a four-year-old next to us and other, there's kids around and she can hear it from inside. Is it a good look? I, it's it's not a look. Is I it a little like bit of a. What did, what did what's-his-name used to say? Um, the, the comedian, Foxworthy. Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, yeah. Um, well, no, he did, you know you're, you you know know you're a redneck. redneck yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is it a good, I mean, you, how old are you now? I don't know if it's a good or. Maybe at 25 <laughs> with the bass. What'd you do? Add speakers and subwoofers and do yeah. all that nonsense to your car? Yeah, I put What'd two, you uh, do? Two 10, two 10-inch woofers in the trunk. Why? I don't know. I wanted it. What? I'm a child. What do you want from me? I love loud music. I go get a car these days, and this is the honest truth. I go to get a car these days. Every three years, you lease a car, whatever, and I get in with the sales guy, and he asks, what's important? Like, one of the first things, do you need the upgraded stereo? Yeah. And I'm like, no. And I la- I'm like, why would you even ask me that? No, I don't, I don't even need a stereo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll take one of those AM, FM. Right. Little dial things yeah. with the with the with the orange needle that you press the button yeah. and it goes. Remember, yeah, you push the button and it would yeah. just shoot somewhere. Yeah. Like yeah, you didn't of know. There's probably a way to You're program adding it. But... Subwoofer. I mean, yeah, well, well, who are you? I know. I'm and a what child. did you do with Scott? Uh, well, this is oh, I, the thing is when I got it, I thought uh, this is great. It's loud. It's I'm never gonna play it full blast. And now it's every day. I think I'm losing my hearing from radio and then from drums and guitar. And no, it's, no, no. The, the, it's not it's i it's know bad. about losing your hearing yeah you don't have it on that volume because you're losing your hearing okay you have it on that volume because you want the i, I do the like shake. how it sounds yeah. you want the the bass yeah, you yeah. want that you haven't heard barry manilow but how about in my when car. you when you take a when you take a uh left into our neighborhood yeah there's a little sign that says turn the radio down <laughs> <laughs> did you just put that up 10 minutes ago <laughs> Yeah, I'll be more careful because I, I do get in trouble for it at my house, too. It's bad. It is. Anyway, loud. please subscribe. This is episode 135. Nice to have you back. Thank Hotshot. you. Turn the radio down. I will. Just a little bit. Please subscribe to for free to, to Mitch Unfiltered. Everybody who's listening right now, probably most of you are already subscribed, but you hit the subscribe button so that the, the show comes immediately to your podcast platform. And we're available everywhere where podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. I told you that a few maybe a month or so ago, that Amazon Music actually called us and That's said, right, yeah. can we include Mitch Unfiltered? That was a nice compliment. I was cranking Amazon Music on the way here. I no, love you Amazon weren't. Music. Oh, oh, a different <laughs> yes, kind of Amazon I was, music. yeah, not you. <laughs> Consider becoming a patron to have access to all of our bonus shows. 134P is up and running. I told you the re- the return, the, re- 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 the return of Jason Hamilton. Five bucks a month to get all those shows. And it's been a while... Since I've asked the favor, you know what the favor is? Of me or of the, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ask the favor about once every three months, maybe four months. Okay. I ask that listeners of the Monday show, if you don't listen regularly every Monday, but you like us and you want us to be around for a while, yeah. it would be very helpful if even on the shows that you didn't get a chance to listen to, because you might've been busy, just to hit the play button. Right. 
Yeah. Even for like three seconds, hit the as soon as you hit the play button, we get credit. It goes to the Apple platforms. It goes through all the. It, we get credit. It's very, very important yep. that if you're a fan of Mitch Unfiltered, that you at the very least click play on all the episodes. And as I've said before, now it might take a little bit longer because there's 134 of them. It wouldn't be half bad if everybody just went back and went play, 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 play real quick. That'd be nice. That'd be really nice. Yeah, it didn't so, take me long. I did it. I did. did. You? Yep. And maybe I'll do it. Can you do it twice or three times? No, times? no, it doesn't count twice. I oh, think. it doesn't. Well, I think if you have a different browser. Are you, are you asking me this question? <laughs> well, we should build like a, like a farm of people where we just pay them to sit there and hit play all day long. Did you get any feedback on 134P? You played the drums oh. behind Corby Lenker's Cheers Boy, version. Somebody not happy. Uh-oh. One person not really? happy. Oh, can stick with talking about music. Please don't play it again. Oh. Not happy with Hot Shot playing drums. Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah, I don't know. People just get grumpy for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't. This wasn't me auditioning for Pearl Jam. Uh, I just wanted to have some fun. I'm sorry if it angered angered somebody. Well, I like the the diversity of the three guests that are joining us on this episode 135. Okay. And I think normally I say here's guest one, guest two, guest three. I'm going to go backwards this time as I promote them. Okay. okay, so guest three, the final guest before the other stuff segment mm-hmm. will be Peter King. You know, Peter, sure. NBC football analyst, longtime friend of mine. I could tell you a great funny story about Peter mm-hmm. King. and me. The first time he and I ever hooked up was 1992, believe it or not. Okay. So well, that's uh, 29 years ago. Because I remember when you got to KJR, you, you wanted Peter. That was your guy, Peter I mean, King. And yeah. I, that was 95 yeah. and you yeah. were, seemed like you were close with him. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Uh, I, the, one of these days, I will tell you the story of... He had never really done radio. He had only done print in 1992 okay. when I decided I wanted to reach out to him from WTEM as a producer for Kornheiser and James Brown. I wanted him to do some stuff. And my program director said, this is, a, this is how long ago it was. My program director says, well, let me hear some, let me hear some of him talking. I've, ne- I've only read his work. I've never seen, I mean, he's been on everything since, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is the way we had to do it back then in 1992. I had to send him a recorder and a cassette, and he had to take a little microphone, a Bell and Howell, like a Bell and Howell microphone, yeah. and record him talking. And then he sent the he sent the cassette back to me, and I gave it to our program director. You made Peter King air check for yeah, you. Yes. <laughs> Oh, did you write, Peter, eh, we're not feeling it. Thank you anyway. Um, and I'm going to need that recorder back if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, anyway, Peter King, NBC football analyst. And the reason I've asked him to be on 135, the obvious. I'd like to get his thoughts on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and what they've done or not done. You know, it's been a pretty busy week. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll cover that in, in segment one, you and me. But Friday, this past Friday, was a crazy day in the NFL. When the San Francisco 49ers traded a bunch of picks to go up to where the Dolphins were. Seemed like a from lot. From 12 to 3. Yeah. And then the Dolphins, like five minutes later, moved up from 12 to 6. Yeah. So I wanted to find out about what this means for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, yeah. NFC West division rival, all that stuff. Talk about free agency. Talk about the Seahawks. Talk about Russell Wilson, Peter King. He's the third guest. Okay. Okay. The second guest... So we recorded 134P for the patrons this past Wednesday. Yep. And I told you it was the 20th anniversary of an event. Oh, boy. Do you remember what I told you? Do you listen to me? Who's that? <laughs> um, I told you that on Wednesday when we were recording, on that Wednesday night, yeah. was the 20th anniversary of one of the strangest things that's ever happened in the world of sports. 
Do you remember what that was? I swear I don't remember that at all. Okay, but when I say it, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I remember talking okay, about all it. Right. Randy Johnson. Oh, yeah. I, I've blocked that out of my... I, I just A 98-mile-an-hour yeah. fastball that collides with... A bird. And feathers go everywhere. Carcasses go everywhere. Oh, poor thing. Okay. The guy who was up to bat for the Giants that day was a guy, is a guy, named Calvin Murray. You would not know him. Okay. He was a five- or six-year Major League Baseball veteran for the Giants who happened to only hit his only grand slam of his career against Randy Johnson. He also, Calvin Murray, happens to have a nephew by the name of Kyler that you may have heard of. I've heard that name, yes. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So Calvin Murray agreed to do an interview with me to talk about what it was like being in the batter's box, getting ready to hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball when all of a sudden a bird exploded. And it's... It's a it's a worthy segment to listen to. Nice. Now was that pitch? And he talks about his nephew, who's pretty decent. Yeah, so no so Calvin Murray, you remember that Kyler Murray was a baseball was a first round draft choice of the Oakland yeah. A's, right? And it went right down to the wire whether he was going to play for the A's or he was going to play for the Cardinals okay. or football or was going I to didn't the draft. Know that. Yeah, although he was a great player for both. Okay. So his father, Calvin Murray's okay. So Calvin Murray's older brother yeah. is Kyler Murray's father. Gotcha. Kyler Murray's father was a quarterback at Texas A&M. Okay. Kyler Murray's uncle, Calvin, was a Major League Baseball player. All right. So Kyler got football from his dad (laughs) and baseball from his uncle and could have been both. He was like Bo Jackson. Pretty good genes. Pretty Pretty good genes. So when when he's in the batter's box and it hits the bird, is that just a ball? Is it a box? What's the rule? Okay, I'll listen. He wanted a ball. (laughs) <laughs> he was lobbying for a ball. I would too against Randy no, Johnson. No, and, and by the way, everybody in the world has seen that video, but yeah. no one knows how that at bat ended. Yeah, no clue. Calvin wants everybody to know <laughs> okay. how that at bat ended, and also what you don't know about that at bat is there was some hostility between the two teams leading into that at bat, and everybody in the diamond, including Calvin, thought that Randy was going to hit him, oh. was going to throw one at his head. Yikes. So. The bird took the punishment. <laughs> yeah, of, thing. Anyway, he's 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 guest number two. Calvin Murray, the man in the batter's box, twenty years ago, against Randy Johnson. Somebody sent us a tweet. I, I don't know if you look at Twitter or not, but it's the some, only thing I look at. Someone sent us a tweet that Randy yeah. Johnson's photography company. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Up down. Upside down. Upside bird. down bird. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. That's pretty yeah. cool that he's yeah. kind of leaned into it. I, a little I, bit. I, I won't give too much of the interview away. I'll just say that Calvin Murray said he didn't even crack a smirk. Randy Johnson, oh. the whole world was laughing and having fun with it. And Randy just wanted the ball to throw the next yeah, pitch. Sounds about right. That sounds like Randy Johnson. The guy who it. growled at me once. <laughs> so he's at, he's guest number two. Okay. Guest number one. Right up your alley. Okay. Musical guest. I'm ready. Yeah. DC Glenn. Cecil DC Glenn. Half of the uh, the rapper group. What? Tag team. Tag team. Yep, yep. Love them. Love that song. Geico commercial superstar DC Glenn is going to tell us how his and his partner's life has changed over the last six months since the most watched TV commercial in years. Great. Most talked about TV commercial in years. DC Glenn joins us, and I try to do the scoop. The scoop. There it is. Oh boy. And and I. he rates me. <laughs> Does he? 
It's funny when I first time I saw that commercial, yeah. I was singing the real song in my head, and, and there's a part in the song that goes shaka laka shaka, and I was thinking they should do chaka lot, and then boom, they go right there into it, is. it. They did it. I'm so happy they did that. It's really funny. All right, I want to know for sure because I admitted to him that. Oh, I don't want to hear this. I never realized, oh. and he claims that I'm not the only one. Okay. I always thought it was whoop. There it is. Whoop. There it it's is. Whoop. I think. I MP. never knew there was oh. an M in it. Yeah. Yeah. Until preparing for this interview. Well, there you go. I was like, since when is there an eminent? He says, Mitch, <laughs> everybody doesn't, everybody yeah. thinks there's no, uh, I thought it was whoop, there it is. All these years I'm singing whoop, there it is. <laughs> and it's not. And so I'm thinking maybe I should go out with whoop, there it is. That might work. I think you should. Yeah. I, I don't think I get in any trouble. No, not at all. So there you go. There's your three guests. That song was a smash, by the way. I don't know. You're, that's not really your type of music. No, I didn't. It know. was a smash. I I would say it was a top five song. I bet it was that that popular. Oh, he talks about how what that song did for him and his partner. Good. Yeah. I'm glad he so, got paid. So yeah. Nice. And now he's getting paid for the the Geico commercial. Love yeah, it. Doing very very well for themselves. Anyway, those are the three guests on episode 135. Okay. All righty, Hotshot Scott, episode 135, about to begin. A few words about our partners, please, if you don't mind. Evergreen Golf Call Tax Advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers, all working together to bring retirement planning and taxes investments under one roof, evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza continuing to grow like a weed here in the Pacific Northwest. Two more new locations coming in Bellingham. Our family had a great night a couple of weeks ago at the Queen Anne Zeke's location for our annual NCAA pool. Delicious Northwest pizza. The best craft beer to your door in no time. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. Area restaurants are now open at 50% capacity inside. Daniel's no different Less shy, South Lake Union at the top of Bellevue Place. Let's restart celebrating all those special occasions with Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses. If you're thinking about a new fireplace or fire pit like we are for a cozy family gathering, we're going to do one in our backyard. They do garage doors too. Fireside Home Solutions at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Jordan Flowers' team at the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage has been saving unfiltered listeners lots of money for a few years now. Still great opportunities and numbers on refinances. Seven minutes is all it takes a call with the Kirkland office team of Guild Mortgage, 425-250-3150. Episode 135. Here we go. Starts right now. Unfiltered. If I said to people in 2000, you know what's going to happen next year? A pitcher in spring training is going to throw a fastball and the ball on the way to the plate is going to meet a bird and the bird is going to literally explode in midair. Yeah. You'd first say, shut up. Yeah. And then I would say, pick a pitcher that you'd like. for. The, if it's going to happen, what pitcher would you like for it to happen? You'd say, how about Randy Johnson? Unfiltered. I still never thought I'd ever see the day that John Schneider would go into an April draft with three draft choices. Crazy, right? I don't think I'd ever see the day where he goes in with less than 10. Yeah. He's got three. Now, people are saying, oh, he, he won't go. When the draft comes around in April, he's not going to have three. Okay, where is he getting them? Is he like, is he printing them up at like counterfeit bills in his, in his Newcastle basement? Mitch is unfiltered. All right, now we're officially underway, Hot Shot Scott, episode 135. 
You know, I sent out a nice little cool picture on Twitter with the uh, Mitch Levy coaching tree, and I got nothing back from you, and I'm a little disappointed in you. I thought you would really appreciate the picture I sent out. It's the Mitch Levy coaching tree. We're all disciples. Hold on, hold on. First of all, you sent that out on Twitter. And I tagged you, yes. Okay. And you're mad that I haven't sent something back to you? I thought you would say, oh, that's a nice pick. How's everyone doing? You know, know, the problem is it's Passover, and I think I got it really, really late on Passover night number one. Okay. And I just figured at that point, I I don't know. But you did enjoy seeing your old people that were all attached to you somehow? I I was a little freaked out at how old everybody looked. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I couldn't believe, I said, it looks like they put us through that Snapchat aging app, like all of us. It looks like, Bob looks like Bob kind of though, right? Bob Stelton. So Bob Stelton was in it. Tell everybody who's in the picture. Yeah, Bob Stelton, uh, rock star Bob, I think you called him on your show. Um, A guy named Brian Goldman who worked. Was a producer, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think he he said he was even your your producer for three months maybe. I think think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Jeff Sears, who was also your producer. Yeah, we had him going down First Avenue in a thong. Yes, you did. Yeah. Did Did you guys have fun Store, you went to Uptown China in As a uh, matter of fact for old time's sake. Jesus. You may was there? How do, how, how does the uh, how does a, a dinner like that come to be? Come it's a great to question. I think they've been doing it for a while and this was my first invite. I, I think they go like every three months or a couple months or something. And really? Yeah, and they just reached out. Hey, do you want to go? The sure. three of them go and they have like a special guest? Yeah, like star? a rotating special guest. Like I think really? they asked Stretch to come maybe too, but oh. Stretch couldn't make it. Yeah. Another one. And how did that go? Dream. How was the dinner? It was delightful. What'd you talk about? It was nice. Um, you didn't come up. It's weird. Not at all. Not once. Gas didn't come up. Graz didn't come up. No oh, one. Shit. <laughs> I heard oh, shit. The only I, question is how nasty the... <laughs> How nasty the stories were about The story about about you lighting into a producer and it got caught on the update because I think Sandmeyer was doing the update and it could be heard into Sandmeyer's (laughs) mic. (laughs) Was was it Sears that I was lighting up? No, it was uh, Andy. Chisholm hands? Yes, as a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> I think Bob might have used that term while we were at dinner. So, yes, that's, that would be the one. Did they ask you about Mitch Unfiltered, how the podcast is going, or they don't did. they care? Don't they know about it? Yeah, they know about it. Right. Yeah, and they listen. You tell, you tell I, I don't know that Bob on? listens. I mean, after you do yeah. sports radio five yeah. days a week, you're not listening to that no. stuff. But, but the other guys? Yeah, they listen. They love oh, it. Nice. I think one might be a patron, actually. Oh, really? I think. That's fantastic. And then Bob reminded me of a story that I tried to just forget where I, I lit into someone, too. Oh, and I okay, tried to good. Buy. I just put my hand over my eyes oh, where this is going, this conversation. It's, this conversation. It's funny what people remember about you that I, you block out. I, <laughs> you no. have a few of those. <laughs> my favorite Searsy moment was the Sears alternative blackjack method. I think I told you about that. I think so, Did yeah. Did that come up in the conversation? No, it sure oh, didn't. God. No. Yeah, I think I'll take a hit on 18 because I'm trying to win a little bit. Oh, God. That's the, I feel like I sit by that guy every time I play, don't you? I mean, God, those guys Why ever... can't he be the dealer? Oh, Jesus. I, m- I remember him giving me a ride. Oh, and God. I looked in his little console. I was just being Snoopy in his car, and there's cigarettes, there's chew, there's nicotine gum, there's all these oh, things God. to like relax Poor the guy who's stressing I had, out. I had him literally <laughs> walking down in a parade first, down a, first oh, Avenue in a thong. Good yeah. sport. Yeah, very good sport. Anyway, it was cool seeing those guys. So. Yeah, I'm glad. And, and I, I say hello to those guys, except for Bob, who's not listening, but the other guys might be good. listening. Yeah. Uh, by the way, an update before we actually really, really, really start episode 135. Oh, how you doing? I think you're doing better than you think in the unfiltered March Madness presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Yes. I, I decided just to take a little peek. I haven't looked because my, as as Rodney Dangerfield used to say, <laughs> I go to a horse, I, I go to a horse track and the opening gun shoots my horse. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah. I got no respect, right? 
The opening gun shot my horse. Illinois was out before I even could say Illinois. Your horse? What about mine, too? Your horse, too. Thank you. So I just kind of lost a little bit of an interest in the yeah. unfiltered March Madness. But then I go to check it before we do 135. Hot shot out of like 1,600, 1,500 people. Eleventh. Yeah. There you go. 11th. Told you I'm the sports expert. And you know, you got to beat everybody on our team. So we just need one of our nine sponsors and you and hosts and producer Steve and somebody to do well, just somebody so that I don't have to give out a lot of prizes, even though we got a lot of prizes to give out. And I turn, I I, I turn it on. Hot shots number 11. Now it comes with the caveat that you lost Illinois. So you're doing great now, but as other teams, especially other favorite teams advance, you could find yourself in a little bit of hot water. That's typically how that works, right? You get yeah. up to a hot start, but you know it's just a matter of time until everyone starts passing Except you. Except there are there are extenuating circumstances. If I mean, because you have three of your final four, at least as of the recording of this, there's other games going on, yeah. are alive and well. Gonzaga, Alabama, Arkansas. You got Arkansas. Oh, yeah. So so three of your four. Now, the, the one that you didn't get right, the, the Illinois, is, yeah, unfortunately, you have them winning the whole thing. Yes. But... You're in such a good position through three and a half rounds that if you're three out of four get there and then some crazy team like Arkansas, you have Arkansas, or some team that instead of Illinois, some some long shot wins it all that nobody has, well then now you're you're back in the ballgame. All right, good. And then on top of it, not that not that I want to throw a kudos to certain sponsors and not to others, but Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza. Sure. He's got Baylor over Gonzaga, which still could happen. And John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions, he, he's got Gonzaga over Baylor. So if Gonzaga and Baylor make it to the final game, one of those two guys is going to start really jumping up. Right. And we may not have to give away so many prizes. So we're sort of covered in a way. We're, we're, we're sort of Kind of, sort of. At least it, with Gonzaga. The, the one, yeah, with Gonzaga, if, especially if Gonzaga beats Baylor in the final okay. game. Yeah. What I'm a little concerned is if a Houston should win or an Alabama should win, Michigan look good on the day we're recording. If a Michigan should win, that that really exposes us. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, then our pants are down, and that's not a good sign. Well, you know, my brother-in-law lives in Arkansas, so I had some insider information on that you team. You had no insight. No, he doesn't even watch sports. <laughs> <laughs> you had no insight information. No. <laughs> anyway, so that's the story of the NCAA tournament right. bracket contest presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Are you surviving your Syracuse team? I, I was prepared to do 90 minutes on you breaking know. down the game. Let's oh, go. We no, got 90 no, no, minutes no, here. no. Yeah, I love how people take shots at me when they lose. Every year they take shots at me when they lose. Like... The fact of the matter is, is like six weeks ago, they weren't even in the tournament. On Selection Sunday, it was like 50-50 whether they were going to get in. Mm. They got in. They won a couple games, both upsets as a double-digit seed. I'm not hurting like people want me to be hurting. <laughs> people want that, you think? Yeah, they're like, hoo-hoo. You know, yeah, they, the people love thing. it, don't they? How do you like your Syracuse team now? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, Coming dude, from dude, a Husky fan, dude, they <laughs> they were they were the eleventh seed and they played yeah. in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I, what annoys me more than them losing mm-hmm. is that Syracuse has now become a double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament right. every year. They're like a Cinderella, and I remember the days where they were supposed to be one of the blue bloods, <laughs> right? Where they were supposed to be number one or number two or number three seeds. Where I would hurt if they lost a Sweet Sixteen game. Now I'm like resorted to. Rooting for my alma mater, who's an 11th seed every year. And half the time, they don't even make the tournament every year. That, that, that kind of sucks, but whatever. I learned who Buddy Buckets is. Uh, Buddy Buckets. 
He's pretty good. He's good, and he's much nicer than his father. He takes after his mother. I, I swear I thought it was his grandson. I didn't... Really? Well, I was like, the age, I couldn't wrap my head around the age. He really has a 21-year-old son? Yeah, he's got, and he's got, uh, Buddy's got a twin sister who's a really good b- basketball player, and he's okay. got an older brother, and then Jim's got another kid from another mar- an earlier marriage, a much older daughter. Anyway, nobody cares about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, lots of Seahawks twists and turns over the last week. Have yeah. you noticed? Yeah. Have you been watching? Oh, sure. So let me see if I got this straight. They thought they had lost Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. Then they got him back. They went out and they got this guy, Kerry Hyder. I'm obsessed with the pass rush from San Francisco. Eight and a half sacks last year. You'll take that, right? Sure. To play for five or six million dollars a year. They brought back Benson Mayoa, yep. who people around here don't seem to care for, but he had six sacks in 13 games. That's kind of that's kind of an eight sack year, eight and a half sack year, right? Maybe seven and a half yeah. sack year. Uh, do the math. They got him back. So that was presumably the end of Carlos Dunlap when they when they signed Kerry Hyder. And then all of a sudden, Jaron Reed tweets that he's going goodbye-bye. Yeah. It's been real 12s or something like that. We're like, wait, which, wait what, what? Which, by the way, thank you, Jaron, for screwing up the Seahawks' chance to trade you. Right. Now everybody knows that they're going to release you, so nobody wants to trade for you. We could have maybe gotten a draft choice. Yeah. Something. Maybe a middle-round draft choice to add to the – to the half a draft choice that they have this coming <laughs> draft. But Jaron Reed tweets goodbye early to tell everybody that they're releasing me. So now they can't trade him and they cut him because he wouldn't take less money. He was going to count a lot against the pay, even though he's a really good, I'd say maybe not really good. He's a solid defensive tackle, yeah. maybe their best and Puna. So they cut him as a result of cutting him. Then guess who comes back? Immediately they re-sign Carlos Dunlap with his 15 quarterback hits and his, what, six, five sacks in nine games, something like that. Yeah. Um, Two walk-off sacks, which everyone loves. That's right. Yep. So, and then they bring back Al Woods. Remember Al Woods from a couple years ago to play defensive tackle? Now, yep. he's got to be 100 years old. Um, so, there you have it. They have now strengthened themselves at edge rusher with Hyder and Mayoa and Dunlap. But they've done it at the expense of an interior defensive tackle, yeah. one of their better ones. So now they're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, if that makes makes any sense. Yeah, in a, and, and you throw, by the way, you throw into the mix not only the edge rushers that they got, Hyder, Mayoa, and Dunlap, but you got to throw Daryl Taylor, who we've all heard so much about this this guy from Tennessee who was a rookie last year who never played, yeah. but everybody thinks they love. And once he's healthy, he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. He's going to be a premier sack. Oh, so if wait. that actually happens, you throw that into all the other stuff. Now you've got edge rushers, but people will just run up the middle against you because you <laughs> right. nobody up the middle. <laughs> and anyway. then Bruce Irvin looks like he might be retiring. He's retiring. He's retiring. It is yeah. a done deal. Okay. Yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. a done deal. So – Here's where the Seahawks are as we speak. Now, that'll change by the time I get to my car. No. You don't think so? Because you'll be listening to such loud music. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, they have now solidified for now, especially with Darren, they've solidified the defensive end position. They now are okay at running back because they got Chris Carson back. If he can stay healthy, they're going to be fine there, right? Love it, yep. They've addressed one-fifth of the offensive line with that Gabe Jackson trade, but they're not done. they better not be done yet because the offensive line needs more than that. So they've done some things, but they've got, I think, some real clear issues that need to be addressed. And I'll go through them, not necessarily in any order. I'm not giving them to you in order of importance. I'm just throwing them out there. Okay. They still need O-line help. 
They've got Ethan Posick right now at center. They brought Gabe Jackson in. They still need, I think they're still one really solid offensive lineman short. I think they're one corner short. Yeah. They said goodbye to Shaq Griffin. They got Trey Flowers, whom I don't really like. They got Reed, DJ Reed, who everybody's gaga over, even though he's like 5'1". Including me, yes. Quentin Dunbar's not back yet. There's still there's still a hole there, I think. There's still a problem at corner. I don't think they're good enough at corner at the at the moment. They got the guy from the 49ers whose name we can never Akel, remember. Akella Witherspoon. Yeah, Witherspoon, yeah, he's, right. I mean, he's a, he's a may, maybe. Okay. He's a maybe in terms of being any good. So they're, a, they're an offensive lineman short. They're a corner short. They're clearly an interior defensive lineman short. They've got Puna. And Al Woods and a couple of other guys, they need an they need kind of a studly defensive tackle now that Jaron Reed's gone. Um, let's see. KJ Wright, who's gonna play his position if he's not coming back? Well, yeah, he said Dallas is one of his dream teams. But you didn't see that? Not since when is it Dallas one of his dream teams? I, I, don't, I, I since, read that. Since this is a way to make more money yeah, exactly. by, by saying that? You're dying to go to a team that won what, five games or something he's like that? Dying to get more money from the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. He's dying to show them that somebody else will give him money so he can come back. But if K.J. Wright doesn't come back, who plays that linebacker position? Yeah. So that's a question. And I believe strongly they are a wide receiver short. I asked on Twitter today, what if D.K. Metcalf or Tyler Lockett got hurt and had to miss four games? Yeah. How would you feel about your wide receiving group that would be the other one of those guys Freddie Swain, John Ursua, which brings up the question that everybody's asking out there, is Antonio Brown oh, here we go. coming to Seattle because, because Russell Wilson, number three, is pounding his fist. He wants Antonio Brown in Seattle. At this point, you need a third wide receiver. I don't know how good he was for Tampa last year. I guess he was okay for Tampa last year. Are you are you a yay or nay on Antonio oh. Brown and all the baggage that potentially comes with? Now I should point out to you, everybody in Tampa says, including Tom Brady, that Antonio Brown was a perfect citizen for the Bucks when he joined a mid-year lab. I don't know if that changes anybody's opinion. He still has done what he's done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's still got questionable stuff going on. It wasn't a one-time deal. No. Yet, he lost his temper it once. Was, and... It was more like an eight-time thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you okay with that? No. You, yes? No? Maybe I th- so? I think once somebody signed him, I think they're the ones that should take the the blame or take the brunt of him coming back to the league. I think, okay, it's fine now. Tampa Bay said it's fine. We'll take him. He's been forgiven. That's how I look at it. He's, he's Once somebody else signed him, I mean... You're off the hook? He's in the league now, right? He's just another player. So you're okay with it? I don't know if I'm okay with it, but I could see him getting signed. I, I, oh, he's yeah. going to get signed no, by I mean, somebody. As for the team I root for, for the Seahawks. Oh. I think, yeah, I guess I'll be okay with it. I mean, he, it was it was pretty ugly stuff that he was accused of, and it's it's hard to overlook it, but he's already in the league. He's just another NFL player right now, according to the league. I was really intrigued about it last year, talking about the Seahawks. Yeah. I got to say, watching the Bucks play even in the postseason, and I know he contributed. I know he caught balls. I know he caught touchdown in, in the Super Bowl. He did. So I think he was he was fairly productive. There was a, from my eye, there was an Antonio Brown explosiveness that was missing. Huh. He seemed he seemed like 70% of what he used to be. Now, what he used to be was the best wide receiver in the NFL. <laughs> right. So you start with that. But 
I don't know. I don't know what the alternatives are. I don't have here a list of wide receivers that could come in and be the third receiver. I'm concerned about that position for the – I really am. Yeah. I like Freddie Swain. Uh, I'm not so sure. You know, if you told me right now DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to play 17 – it's not 16 anymore – 17 games mm-hmm. and be healthy the whole year, healthy as an ox – isn't that what they say? I think it's strong as an strong ox. Strong as, as a horse, maybe. Healthy as a horse. Yeah, yeah. Healthy as Milton Burrow, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Talk about things no one gets. <laughs> people get that. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they don't. <laughs> yes. I, I think they're a wide receiver short. David Moore was intriguing me a lot. I'm not a David Moore guy. Well, you don't I like him not- on the end around. I don't but, like him on punt returns. Right, but he's a pretty good receiver. We're talking about the receiver position. I thought there was some upside there, but anyway. I think they can find somebody as good as David Freddie Moore. Swain can do what David no, Moore did? No, I, I, maybe, maybe not. I'm saying I think they can go somebody, find somebody who's out of a job. Okay. Uh, look, if you said Antonio Brown or David Moore, yeah. I would say from a pure wide receiver standpoint without the baggage, yeah. Antonio Brown at, at 70% of what he used to be, is, I think is still better than David Moore. Now, what maybe if, I'm wrong. What if Antonio Brown gets a full off season with a team? On maybe he was a little. He just looked, um, not as sudden. He just didn't hmm. look like he had that. Now, that makes sense, right? He's not young anymore. He had been out of football for a long time. Yep. Yeah. You don't just walk back in and be Percy Harvin. You know. You know. Have that like. You remember? I mean, you don't need me to tell. He was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was. No matter how bad of a guy was he was, he was unbelievable he in was. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I, I didn't see that. Well, maybe like I'm saying, maybe a full off season. Maybe he'll he'll get in get better shape. Maybe he'll get that maybe. back a little bit. Maybe. Anyway, what about you? Are you do you want Antonio Brown on the Seahawks? I mean, with the baggage and everything, forget the football. We know he can play. He'd be a great third receiver. Are you ready for it yet? It would be an easier an easier yes if I knew he was closer to what he used to be on the field. I would be more willing okay. to roll the dice with what he could become off the field. But at 70% or 60% of what he used to be, I don't know that the bang is worth the buck. What, what's the bang? I mean, what's what's the buck part? The buck is the, the, what comes along and what he might do off the field okay. and what he might mean in the locker room. And if he gets disenchanted or he doesn't play or he gets deactivated or Russell doesn't throw to him and he starts barking and everybody looks around around the league and says, see, you had to know what you're getting yourself into. I don't know if all of, of the of the of the the risk of all of that. Yeah, I would have been ready to take. If he was the old Antonio Brown, but, he, but he's the old Antonio Brown. <laughs> right. That kind of makes sense. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. But still yeah. a pretty damn good third receiver. I'd say a good third. Okay. He was the third receiver to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in Tampa. Yeah. And he missed some games, I think, in the playoffs or late in the mm. season, and they didn't really miss him that much. Uh, I don't know. I, here's, I'll, I'll go back to the original point. They need a receiver. Yep. I think they are at least one. Re- now, granted, they're going to have three draft choices. It's only three. And they are going to have a second rounder. So they, I think John Schneider, with whatever he chooses in that second round pick, yeah. you know, whether it's a defensive lineman, an interior guy, or a center, or a, I don't even care, or a corner, or a wide receiver, he's got to hit. No, no more nonsense. <laughs> right. No more Malik McDowell. He's got to hit that second rounder. No more room for error. I, am him. I right or wrong no, about you're that? Totally right. He's got to hit the second rounder this yeah. year. This guy he has can't to start. Whiff. He's can't whiff on the second rounder. Yep. 
Okay. No LJ Collier. We're, we're in agreement on that? Yes. Okay. He's got to draft a starter. Not saying a pro bowler, you got to draft a starter. And Someone, you've got, and it's not like we're, we're telling him it's got to be a center or it's got to be, he's got center. You don't mean a starter. It could be a third wide receiver. You'd be okay with a third well, wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I kind of sort of consider that as someone okay. who's going to play. Okay. Yeah. I'm giving him a choice. Center, third wide receiver, corner, K.J. Wright's replacement, interior defensive tackle where Jaron Reed played. There's five right there. Oh. You got – John, don't, don't piss me off, John. I'm just thinking about how many holes he has to fill and how many picks he has. The math isn't working uh, out. No, no, no. I, I'm not even asking him to fill. I'm I asking know. him with that second round pick, he best fill one of those holes. Yeah. Okay, he can't whiff. We can't have a guy that's going on a, an ATV. No, we can't have no, that. No, four-wheeling. We can't have that. And then right? wrestling somebody in a 7-Eleven. No, no, we can't, we can't have, have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm glad we're you. on the same page. Yep. Um, anything else on in segment one? Oh, I wanted to mention the Jerry, the Laramie Tunsil story. I've been... You've been following the Miami Dolphins. We mentioned in the tease that we're going to talk to Peter King about that that crazy Friday last Friday where everybody. Do you know who Laramie Tunsil even is? Yeah, is he an O lineman? He was. This is. I just think, and I, I know I'm a Finns guy, but I think this goes beyond Mitch being a Finns guy and boring us with Miami okay. Dolphins stuff. Nobody cares. This is a this is a very interesting story. Okay. So Laramie Tunsil was thought of coming out of college as probably the premier blindside left tackle coming out of the SEC, I believe. Okay. He was going to be the number one left tackle taken. Okay? All right. The Dolphins that year in 2016, they picked like 13th. There was no way they were getting Laramie Tunsil. All right. This may jog your memory. On the night before the draft, a picture gets tweeted, not by him, nobody knows where it came from, of him in one of these gas masks, um, pot-smoking yes. gas masks. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the night before the draft, <laughs> yeah. there's like three shots of him in this thing where you sm- I don't even know what it is. The contraption. I'm not a, I'm not a pot guy. But 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 anyway, that came out and it just ruined his reputation the night before the draft. And as a result, he slipped all the way and the Dolphins grabbed him at 13. Yeah. Okay. He plays for the Dolphins. He's pretty good right out of the gate. They end up trading him to the Houston Texans. That's right. The next year. Mm-hmm. Right. And they get like. Two first rounders and a third rounder from the Houston Texans, which, by the way, the Houston Texans first rounder that they gave to the Dolphins ended up being the third overall pick this year. Right. Right. Because the Houston Texans sucked. Yeah. Now (laughs) the Dolphins on Friday trade the third pick, one of the first round picks that they got for him down to 12. They get two more and a third. And then they, by the time the day was over, this is a true story. Laramie Tunsil, one person, has netted the Dolphins four first-round draft choices, two second-round draft choices, <laughs> and a third-round draft. I kid you not. Four first-round draft choices, two second-round draft choices and a, for one guy. A guy that Crazy. they shouldn't have been able to draft all because of the, the, the pictures. <laughs> see, I love that story. Do you see what pot does for your life, kids? Good things come to those who smoke pot, right? So, and you want to know who has the best humor about it of all the people? Who? Laramie Tunsil, he tweets out because everybody's been writing that maybe outside of Herschel, you got to understand when Deshaun Watson gets traded, if he ever got traded, let's assume Deshaun didn't have all this, these problems. Yeah. Okay. He was going to be the, it was going to be the biggest trade maybe in the history of the NFL outside of Herschel Walker. Yeah. He, he was not even going to go for fir- four first round draft choices, two second rounds and a third. Right. Laramie Tunsil <laughs> went for that. That's awesome. So, so as it turns out, Laramie Tunsil sees all the, you know, 
Laramie, and, and by the way, to his to his credit, he has not po- tested positive. He has played three years in the league. He's been in the Pro Bowl at least the last two years. I mean, he's a really good yeah. Houston Texans left tackle. He's not worth four, nobody's worth four, <laughs> four first round. But so he starts seeing all this hullabaloo about what his trade meant to the Dolphins. I mean, he single handedly his trade like changed the course of the Dolphins. Right. Um, he he sends out a picture. I guess they have a statue of maybe Marino or somebody outside that he put his picture <laughs> over. So that's great. he thinks there should be a statue of Laramie Tunsil in Miami as a result. If of the all. Dolphins win like three Super Bowls in a row in a few years, there might be. There might be the I first time. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. Right? Yeah. For now a guy who, all these... who slipped all the way down there, too, to then parlay that into all these and, picks. And look. You must be loving it, though. I mean, all these picks coming. Well, I Dolphins. love what they did on Friday. I don't. I, I love what they did on Friday. Okay. Because, and I even like, Peter King's going to say that he didn't like them trading back up to six. He thought they should just stay at 12 and keep the picks. Yeah. And they, they gave one or two of them away to go back up to six. I kind of like where they are at six because I think they're going to get a really good wide receiver for Tua, and they need desperately like a, a great wide receiver. But you know what they could have also done hmm. before they traded up to six? They got all these draft choices from Laramie Tunsil and then the 49ers, and they could have called the Seahawks yeah, that's and said, right. if you can convince Russell to add us to his list, we might give you Tua and three number ones. I mean, they have, they have, they have so many draft choices right now over the next three or four years. It's crazy. They had all this house money. They could yeah. have parlayed into Russell. Right into Russell Wilson. Speaking of Russell. And then the Dolphins are, I don't know if they're the faves, but they're right there. If, if they had Russell Wilson, they'd be right there. Right you, there in Vegas. You right and there. Peter may have discussed it already, so yeah, just tell probably, me if you did with Russell. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like there's it doesn't feel like it's over, that it's going to be a done deal, that Russell's going to be a Seahawk. We discussed it. You did discuss it. Okay. We discussed it. I was sitting there watching a the game. That would be segment with a, number three of the interviews. Yes. Sitting there watching the game with a Bears fan, and he still thinks it might happen for the Bears. I'm like, no, no, that's done. Believe me, Bear fan, you're out. But it might happen for somebody else. But then oh, I saw somebody, a, a PFF guy, he tweeted out that, um, or I don't know if he's somebody tweeted out that there's some still some rumblings and he doesn't think that Russell's going to be the Seahawks quarterback in week one. So, Ooh, really? yeah, maybe he's on a radio show or something. I don't know. Somebody sent me the tweet. So it feels like it's it's not, not dead. Done it's not yet. completely extinguished. So we'll see what happens. Gonna be interesting. Curious to see what Peter says. Gonna be interesting. All right, three guests, and we'll start with tag team rapper DC Glenn from the Geico commercial. <laughs> He also had a music career as well. He had a music career. (laughs) But if you watch closely the Geico commercial, which everybody has, and he flips the scooper. Did you see him flip the scooper? The move? Go back and watch it. All right, I will. Pretty impressive. Oh. (laughs) We spend about three minutes or four, two or three minutes of the interview talking about how did you you do that? Was that something he practiced? Oh, I guess I'll hear. Yeah. Or something he's always been able to do. I'm just curious. I, I was sad to see that it's kind of a... It's kind of a trick to it. It's kind of a, like a gimmicky thing that it's uh, not real. Okay. It may not be all that. Anyway, I don't want to give up the interview. Uh, t- tag team rapper DC Glenn is our first interview, and we'll do three, and then you and I with the other stuff segment. Hey, hey, another chance to visit with my man Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. How we doing, Jordan? We're doing great, Mitch. Thank you, and thanks for having me back on. It's great to have a great partner on Interest rates spike a little bit from where we were for the longest time, especially during the pandemic. Did all of us who hesitated to buy or refinance, did we blow it, Jordan? 
You definitely haven't blown it. And anybody out there, the rates are still at historic lows. There has been a little tick up, but there's still phenomenal time to look at refinancing or purchasing that new home. Where exactly does that leave all of us that are selling or buying a house? Tis the season. Tis the season. It's the spring season. Historically, that time of year, everybody's getting their homes ready to sell or buyers out there already looking on the market. It kind of hit a little earlier this year. Extremely competitive environment. Homes are appreciating and selling for 10, 20, even some 30% over list. And so it leaves a lot of sellers right now wondering, well, if we sell, where do we go? Uh, We do have solutions and programs to help people buy a new home, non-contingent, and still use the equity of the departing residents. We're helping people win there, sellers win there, so they can buy that new home before they uh, list and sell their house. And we're helping first-time home buyers in this incredibly challenging environment and then winning offers still five ten percent over so there's lots of areas where jordan and his team at the kirkland office of guild mortgage can help you not just strictly mortgages where would they call where would they phone would they go to you directly or somewhere else they can reach me on my office line 425-250-3145 or on my cell phone at 425-890-2957. The Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage, great partners, Jordan Flowers and his team of Mitch Unfiltered. Episode 135 of Mitch Unfiltered, and I think I can safely say that you've seen our next guest more in your home than some members of your immediate family. He is one half of the rapper duo tag team. That's right. I'm going to try it, DC. French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Scoop, there it is. Cecil DC Glenn on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. How are you? how did i do did did i you did well dude you did well you did well except for my name you put my government name and a whole bunch of other names i'm just playing everybody calls me dc dc the brain supreme aka dc glenn okay and i'm glad to be with you guys today Uh, well it's great great to have you on dc how would you compare the circus of popularity around this commercial to the circus of the original song in 1993. How is it compared? This is bigger. This is, okay, so it's, it's, it's actually surreal because back then, you know, we signed a contract and then all of a sudden we're on the road and then a month and a half we're platinum, right? Yeah. With this, it drops on Christmas and now America gets to see us simultaneously at the same time. But, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so we have our masks on, so nobody knows who I am, so I can live in anonymity. I can have my privacy. I could be a star when I want to be. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. I know you're an NBA guy. I was playing golf with the new Hall of Famer, Jack Sigma. Do you remember Jack Sigma the other oh, yeah. day? And he said to me, the first thing he said to me when I told him I was going to have you on, he said, gosh, I hope these guys are getting paid per airing. And not a and not a straight fee. He he was concerned with the with the economics for you. No, AC. no, no. <laughs> this this has probably been the most lucrative deal of my lifetime. Really? Wow. Yeah. Why? Because not only is it you know a SAG national commercial, but it is a SAG national plus all the bells and whistles hit commercial. There's a difference, right? And 
it's just been running like crazy because you get paid on the amount of, you know, where it's placed, right? So off the rip, you got rocking New Year's Eve, you got NFL games, you got all the college games, any big event, network television in prime time, yep. those are chunks. Those are big chunks. <laughs> and it has been... Um, it has been beautiful for us, <laughs> and you know, but but it's it's also been good for me, otherwise because I'm an actor and I've been booking like crazy, and I'm a you. voice artist and I've been booking like crazy because we're in a pandemic, and what else can you do in a pandemic but voiceover, right? So it's been 2020 is probably one of the best years of my life, man. Wow, that's be great. honest with you, that yeah. is really great, DC. Mm-hmm. So 1993, let's go back to 93. Mm-hmm. The song was everywhere, and I have to make an admission here, confession. I never knew there was an M in the word whoop. I always thought it was whoop, there it is. Am I the only one that didn't know that there was an M? No, man. So <laughs> check it out. I, I'm a, I'm, I do SEO, search engine optimization, and you are not the only one. There are so many different variations of whoop, there it is. There's whoop, womp, woo, <laughs> uh, scoop, snoop, scoop, <laughs> dupe. And they're all keywords because people accidentally type in the wrong name. So when they accidentally type in the wrong name, it shows me how many searches there are for that particular keyword, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, Whoop is number one, but then Whoop is number two and Womp is number three. It's incredible. <laughs> but they all come to Whoop because I know SEO and I've laid good breadcrumbs and I know how to do this. So we get the benefit of all, all the different... Um, forms uh, that whoop comes in <laughs> explain to me about the popularity of the song in its day and what that song did for you too and and it was so popular it was everywhere but it was also made fun of right uh nah not that i know of people, um, people said they got some sort of a razzie award or something for no, no, okay now yeah. you know because okay so what happens is you know for us the song was truly popular in a way that I could have never imagined, right? Uh I knew it was gonna be big, but you know, it was really big. So what happens when your song gets really big, people start wanting to do things with the song Uh because they they wanna get that, you know, lightning in a bottle effect. So we did Adam's Family, right? They They paid us handsomely to do an Adam's Family remake for the movie. So you do that, and it's not going to be the greatest record because it's about the Adams Family, right? So that's what the Razzie Award was uh, for, I, right? Yeah. And, and then, you know, we did um, Mickey Unwrapped, which was me teaching <laughs> the voices of Mickey and Minnie Mouse how to rap, <laughs> right? So, you know, you you you, you got to do those things because uh, they pay you so much money, you, you just have to, yeah, right? Yeah, of course you have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cash then, in, of course. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, it was a series of um, events that happened like that. Okay. And those were the only time, you know, that people kind of was like, okay, what are they doing? But as far as whoop, there it is on its own, you know, it's, it's people were calling us a one hit wonder, but I was like, if you got to have a hit, what, what better hit to have, yeah, right? I'm right with so, you. What, what have you guys been doing for the last 28 years? Take us behind, I mean, after all oh, the music. Yeah, tell us about the two of you guys. I've been doing all kind of stuff. I've been, um, we uh, the record company went bankrupt, right? Yep. So we're trying to get our money from the record company, but as a young man, you don't know that you try to sue the record company, they've got long money, you got short money, right? So they just bleed you out. 
So I went back to what I did best, DJing, right? DJing, and then we still did shows all over the place. We went to Rio, we went to Europe. We were still traveling, having fun, doing, you know, making a good income. You were out here in Seattle. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, you know, fast forward, maybe 2000, uh, I became a licensed commodities broker. And I was about to put together a hedge fund. But then, you know, once I found out what it really entailed, it just wasn't for me because we've been in a, like a 20 year lawsuit, right? With the, with the record companies, because there was two record companies fighting over us, right? Uh-huh. And so our career was stifled, but we're still doing shows. You know, whoop, there it is, pops up in Elf, right? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm always doing something. I'm DJing in the clubs while I'm DJing in the clubs. I'm learning marketing, I'm learning SEO, I'm learning um, how to be self-sufficient as a business, right? As far as marketing and how to get your business out there. And, you know, we've always done NBA halftime shows. We do NFL halftime shows. And we've always just kind of been quiet. And, uh, you know, we're not rah-rah guys. You know what I'm saying? It's like we had our fun, it was over, and now we're grown. And when you get grown, you know, all those things that you loved when you were young don't really mean anything anymore. I was making so much money in the clubs you know, working a couple of nights a week, I really didn't need to do anything else except for the occasional shows and just try to try to get tag team, people's keep it in mouth. people's mouth sure. and, you know, just, sure. just try to stay a little bit out sure. there. Sure. And 2011, I was at work. They were like, DC, you got to come to the front because somebody needs to talk to you. I was like, take a message. Like, no, nah, they're from the New York Times. And I was like, man. So I went to, you know, I was like, call me in the morning at this number. And it was a reporter from the New York Times telling me that Gawker had ran an article that Barack Obama was in our video, right? And I was like, what? And he's like, I mean, we got the scoop first. And I was like, well, how did you even find me here? And she's like, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. But, well, but that was an important moment because I was like, people can't even find us because we didn't really have a web presence. That was the beginning of social media back then. Yeah. And I was like, that'll never happen again because we miss money doing, not doing that, right? Because now Move There It Is is going into its nostalgia phase, right? And I've come to the realization that we got a hit record forever. So it's time to act like you got a hit record forever. Doing shows, you know, doing five, six shows a year is cool, but why not do 30? So I just started on a quest to get us shows, um, tighten up the website. You Back in the day, you type in tag team, it was nothing but wrestling. You type in tag team today, oh, yeah. it's all tag oh. team. So then the Martin ad agency oh, yeah. calls you. You got to tell us the story. They call you and okay, they, they so, pitch the so, commercial. Go ahead. No, no. So so this this works out perfect because that um, situation with Barack Obama, I learned you got to have a presence and you got to lay breadcrumbs so people can find you. And <laughs> I mean, definitely <laughs> the pandemic hits and, you know, it's like you got to reinvent yourself. That's what I decided to do. So I went back to voiceover, started over voiceover started booking like crazy, shot my first movie, shot my second movie, and uh, did a Tyler Perry thing. And all of a sudden I get a call on the tag team phone, um, but I didn't answer the phone, <laughs> right? And and because I leave good breadcrumbs, Mark, the Martin agency went to my IMDB and found my agent for acting. Okay. So my agent for acting calls me like, DC, you just booked a Geico commercial. And I'm like, I didn't even audition for a Geico commercial. <laughs> and they were like, well, you booked a Geico commercial. And I was like, wait a minute. This is tag team. Oh, this is tag team. So I went back and looked at my phone. There was a message from, uh, from uh, Geico. So 
we uh we hashed out a nice deal i let my agent do it because that's what they do and then i started preparing and at first you were gonna say gonna... yes all along right there was no no, no question not, about it i mean i was gonna was say it, was it, it was... supposed to be soup before it was scoop it was supposed to it was supposed to be soup there it is and i'm like <laughs> and i'm trying to prepare for it i'm like i'm, I'm looking at seinfeld's uh soup nazi issue the soup <laughs> episode right and i'm like okay what can i gather from that and i was like they called me back it's like no 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 we're gonna do ice cream right because by the way justin timberlake had mm-hmm. done a soup there it is parody on saturday night live did you know that I kind of remember that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah he had yeah. already done the soup there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably where they got it. Got it from. So <laughs> they said, you know, scoop. There it is. So then, as an actor, I started preparing. Right, and I was, like, I, you know, I said I want five or six things that I can bring to the table that will make this commercial or just enhance it. Right, mm-hmm. that'll put my touch on it. And for me, it was special because my father used to make us ice cream when we were children. You know, we had an old school bucket with the cylinder and he put the ice cream mixture in it. And then we just have to be like, all right, go ahead. I have to grind that little ice and everything. And <laughs> my brother do it five minutes. I do it five minutes, 20 minutes. We had ice cream. Right. Uh-huh. So I wanted to bring that essence to the commercial. And I know lo- I know kids love sprinkles. Right. Yes. I don't know why. Yes. But they love sprinkles. So yes. I said, how can I incorporate sprinkles? And I'm thinking Salt Bay, but then I was like, "Ooh, LeBron James at the scorers table." <laughs> oh, I was going to ask with the that. Chalk, so it was right. The, I was like, "So okay, that okay, yes, okay, that's okay. what it's an ode okay. to LeBron James." All right, right, I thought so. Yeah, it yeah, and, yeah. And, and then there's be. a little two-step we do down here in the South that people know. So everybody <laughs> in the South would have been like, "Oh my God, they did the they did the yeek," and it's like that was all these little subtle nuances are what make this. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm going to. Can I tell you what my favorite nuance is? I may be the only one. And I want the true scoop, no pun yeah. intended on this. I like the flip of the scooper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that, I, that, come on. That, you, that was, you, okay. you, you dropped that four times. Come on. That took 20. No, no, 20, no, no, no. You no, can't no, no, do no. that. If let, I, if let, I, me, <laughs> let, let me explain. You didn't let me finish. Okay. Uh, you didn't let me finish. That was going to be the last uh, one. Okay. So Go ahead. The first thing I thought about, I was like, man, I want to make a spinning scoop. How do you make a spinning scoop? That was cool. And I'm like, okay, it's got to be like a band around my hand. And I tried to get somebody to fabricate that scoop. And nobody, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And when we went to our uh dress fitting right where yep. we went to uh, uh wardrobe. wardrobe yeah yeah um we had our meeting with the producer and the director and i told i was like i got some ideas i want to throw at he's like anything you want to do dc i was like all right okay i hope you're ready <laughs> and <laughs> i said I, I i wanted you know first i wanted to do the spinning scoop but i couldn't find anybody to make it and it would have been really cool but don't worry about that i want to do he's like no 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 it'll be done tomorrow i was like what Oh. What do you mean it'll be done tomorrow? What does that mean? I mean, when you walk up on set, there will be a spinning scoop ready for you, DC. A spinning scoop. Somebody's got to teach a, you how to do it, though, right? No, there was. Well, you know, that's part of it. There was a spinning scoop, <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's like this is what we came up with, man. I don't, you know, this is the best we could do. And I was like, all right, I got it, I got it. Okay. And I played with it for a couple of hours, you know, while we're waiting for the first shot. And I got good at it. Oh, you right? did? Right? I figured it out, got good at it. And all you need is one good take. There was a whole <laughs> bunch of terrible takes now. 
but now, but but I actually made it myself, and I am so good with the spin and scoop now that I could just. And people think it's magic, you know what I mean? And it's I knew great. that part of it. It's great. Would really freak not freak people out, but they would get oh. a kick out of oh. it because it's something you don't see. It's like, oh, he's really about to scoop some ice cream now, right? <laughs> like you just want to give that effect to it instead of just me scooping some ice cream. And then it wasn't even ice cream; it was cake frosting. Uh, oh. Fun fact. Fun <laughs> how, fact. How long did it take you to film the commercial? One day. One day. It took one day, and they were amazed that we kept the energy up. Cause they're like, usually people people are dead by the end of the day, but yeah. you guys just got better as the day went on. I was yeah. like, because I'm a DJ. I've been a DJ all my life. I work eight hours a night, right? Full energy. So I understand what it is. And then we just fully, we're, you know, we're party people. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is one of the most monumental things of our career. Because if our career stopped today, we had the perfect career. We, we started strong and we ended strong. Right. And that's all people really remember. So, I mean, right now I'm campaigning for all the awards to win Cleo's <laughs> and all that stuff. I'm, 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 I'm my own PR, you know, because the pandemic changed everything. Usually I'll be talking to you from a, a hotel room right now because we'd be on tour as soon as a Geico commercial hit. Right. Yeah. But because we're in a pandemic, yeah. I had to figure out how are you going to take advantage of this? And basically me taking advantage of this Geico commercial, learning how to be my own press uh, and, and, you know, um, PR mm-hmm. and publicist. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how you and I met. D- right? DC, as great as you guys are, and you guys are great, you and your partner, you got to tell me a little bit more about him, but you got to tip your cap to the rest of the actors on the set. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Tasha's great. The daughter's expression, DC, the daughter's expression. Amethyst. Her is, name is Amethyst. Is a scene stealer, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Everybody all, came. It was priceless how it all came together, yeah, you know? it's priceless how it all came together. Nikki, who is uh, Tasha, yep. was telling me, hey, I used to do routines to you guys back in high school. I know every <laughs> hip-hop dance there is. <laughs> So now she's a a teacher, isn't she, D.C.? Yeah, she's a teacher at Georgia State and she's an actress and all of them really didn't even care. You know, we do auditions and we just do them. Right. And they all just did them. And it's amazing because they're all in the same improv troupe because I take improv as well, because when you do commercials, you have to be good at improv because they're going to say, well, do this and do that. And I used to struggle at it. So I had booked a National Pizza Hut commercial for March Madness last year, oh. and you know what happened. So, I, you know, I was happy about it because I got booked, but with them, you know, Anthony Goosby, Amethyst, and Nikki Carr, they just, they bought they bought their A game. Anthony and Goosby is the father, right? He's the father, and yep. Amethyst is the daughter, yep. and Nikki Carr is the T- mama. Tasha, yeah. Yeah, Tasha, and, and we were tag team, and, you Man, know, Steve and, I, Steve and I just came and we did what we did. You know, Steve is Steve's more quiet because Steve is a... Uh, Steve's your partner in tag team. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He, he's an engineer, so he's like right now he's like in a master class for mastering. So that's why I do I do a lot of a uh, lot of interviews ourselves. I mean, he is he is an excellent master masterer. DC, when when did you see the final product for the first time? What was your first reaction? Do you remember? The first time I saw it, I think was like was it on TV? Two, no, no, no. It was two weeks before Christmas. They okay. sent it to us. Okay, and I looked at it just ready to cringe and could not find, <laughs> could not find any fault at all, except oh. the only thing I didn't like or did, or just I found fault in is that 
my finger pointing to the ice cream was a millionth of a second off. <laughs> That's the only thing I could find. Everything oh, else. You're talking the beat. Yeah, now, the right? beat. And, and we're like, dude, that's a good commercial. You know, and then, you know, there, you know, Martin is like, you guys did just such a wonderful job and everybody did so well. It's like we could have made five commercials out of that. Right. Out of what we shot. But that was what we came up with. And it dropped Christmas evening at midnight where they did a full global uh, YouTube ad where you turn on YouTube and it's us with that picture. And my phone has been buzzing ever since. I never, t- I don't even take my phone off the ringer. I have to, I have to keep it off the ringer because it just keeps buzzing. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Okay, I got to ask the question though. I got to ask the question that everybody in our audience is saying, Mitch, ask DC the question. And the question is, sequel. We want a sequel. This is not, this can't be a one commercial deal. They got to come back to you with triple the money and a sequel to this deal. Nah. <laughs> nah. It, you know what? It's the same thing as Wunk There It Is. People said the same thing. Man, well, you guys going to come with new music. The song is so big that we'll never be able to do anything bigger than Wunk There It Is. Right. Just like this commercial is bigger than anything we'll ever do for commercials. Now, I'm a commercial actor. I'll be in commercials, but I'm not, you know, that's, that's just easy money just to be in commercials. But I have a hit commercial to where the whole advertising world is interviewing you and just falling oh head over heels in love with you. And not to mention everybody else in America, that doesn't happen too often. That's rare. And I can't, I can't sit here and say that that could be duplicated again. I'm not that stupid to say that, right? So I, will, I, I have worked real hard to take advantage of what this really is, which is to be prepared for the opportunities that are coming my way okay. daily. Okay. And that's all you can do. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mature and I understand what this is, right? But I understand how people just want more and more and more. And that's kind of how you want to lead people, wanting more. Because if we come back with something that's not it's mediocre, then what? Right? All those people who loved us, it's like, you guys are the greatest. They're going to be like, uh, what was that? <laughs> it's great to catch up with you, DC. You're so kind mm-hmm. to, to be on our show. I'll just tell you this. Of course. You're old enough, I think, to remember the Mean Joe Green commercial. Oh, yeah. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is good. I mean, yours is really, really good. And I'll remember yours forever. But there's nothing. There'll never be anything like thanks, Mean Joe, right? Never. Hey, be no, hey, but you know, there's and you're the one that said it. I didn't say that. Don't be acting like I'm the one that said we got the greatest commercial all time. I know. I, hey, you think about it. there's so many in history. You think, you think about the Indian with the tear. Oh right? yeah, yeah, on the side of the road. There's yeah. so many, man. You know that they. I, I forgot about the Mean Joe Green. That one's if that right there as a kid. Yeah. But but you know it was emotional. It's like man, that's they played that for. Ever, yeah, forever, like years after that, and they're gonna play this commercial for years after this. So this is a pension plan. I'm not gonna mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> DC Glenn is our guest on Mitch Unfiltered. Congratulations for all your newfound success. Uh, congratulate your partner too in tag team, and let's do this again sometime. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Definitely. And on that note, sprinkles. <laughs> Okay, round two time. Make Mitch look silly with investment trivia. Here's Katie Versio, a senior financial planner of Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. I think I was one and a half out of three last time, something like that, 50%. (laughs) 
Yes. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to see how you do this time. Okay, question one, go. So we've all seen GameStop in the news. Which of the following is correct regarding short selling? Unlimited upside. Two, there's unlimited downside. It generates an income stream or it hedges your position. Well, because Jeff Dix of Evergreen Golf Call was on a recent show, I know the answer to this. It can go up, up, and away. It could go up as high as it wants to go. So there's unlimited downside because when mm -hmm. you short a stock, you're rooting for it to go down and it could go up forever. That's right, yes, so you're correct. It's number two, there's unlimited downside. So that's why it can be so dangerous because it's unlike if you were to just buy a stock what we'd call long, where you know the price can't go below zero. All right, I'm one for one. Okay, so with tax season coming up, individuals need to remember to make their IRA contributions for 2020 before April 15th. So for individuals that are under the age of 50, what's the maximum that you can contribute? Is it $10,000, $6,000, $19,000, or $1,000? Yeah, I know the answer to this. For many, many years, even though I'm now over the age of 50, my accountant every year in April would tell me to make this contribution to my IRA, and I would grumble, but I did it. And it was $6,000 every year. Correct. Uh, yeah, you're two for two here. It's important to remember to make those ongoing contributions. I know it can be a little bit of a pain, but you get a little bit of a break because you've got until... April 15th of the next year to make them. And if you're over the age of 50, you actually get another $1,000. So you can contribute up to $7,000. Two for two. I'm going for the clean sweep, Katie. Okay. So 2020 was obviously a very turbulent year. Uh, what was economic growth for the year as measured by GDP? Was it zero or flat on the year? Was it negative three and a half percent? Was it negative 6.2% or was it up 1%? Gross domestic product, right? That's right. I'm going to go down 6%. It was a bad year. Oof, so actually, uh, you got that one incorrect. The correct answer is actually two, negative 3.5%. You know, we saw some of the sharpest decline in GDP back in the spring, in March and April, but the second half of the year actually rebounded quite a bit. So that's why it's not down as much as it could have been. Well, two for three... In my second go around, I'm still going up. I'm going three for three the next time. She's Katie Versio, and she's a senior financial planner with Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. In the 2001 spring training game with the Arizona Diamondbacks, right in the middle of Johnson's streak of four consecutive Cy Youngs, a Dove, who must have not been a baseball fan, flew between Johnson and the San Francisco Giants' Calvin Murray. Well, last Wednesday marked the 20th anniversary of one of the strangest moments in baseball history, no doubt maybe one of the strangest moments in sports history. Spring training, Arizona, 2001. Randy Johnson, our own big unit here in Seattle, unleashes a fastball which never makes it to home plate. Instead, a fatal midair collision with a bird. Feathers everywhere. You've undoubtedly seen the video. So here's the trivia question for our next guest, former big leaguer Calvin Murray. Calvin, are you ready for the trivia question? I'm ready, Mitch. Okay. <laughs> Who was the batter? Who was the batter that day when the bird got knocked out by Randy Johnson's fastball? Believe it or not, it was myself. 
<laughs> and from that moment, here's the better trivia question. How many times from 2001 spring training to when Mitch calls you in Atlanta, Georgia to talk, have you been asked to tell the story of the fastball that met the bird in midair? I had a very good high school buddy of mine text me the other day. He and his brother both group text me, and he said, boy, if you only had a penny for every time somebody <laughs> asked you about the bird, and I probably wouldn't be working right about now. I'd, I'd be retired somewhere on a golf course on a beach somewhere. <laughs> does, the, does the story remain the same, Calvin, or have you kind of enhanced the story a little bit as the years have gone on? Has it become better? Is it, Are you better at – I mean, are we going to get a better rendition of the story for Mitch than we would have gotten, let's say, 15 years ago? No, Mitch, you're getting the same terrible story. You're getting the same terrible truth as far as the way I remember it. So I'm not, I can't embellish very much. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit too straight up. And, uh, yeah. That's I didn't catch, my, my fish didn't get any bigger the further we get away from them. My fishing stories, the fish didn't get any bigger day by day. Are you sick and tired of it? Are you, would you? Do you wish that? I mean, you were a really, and we're going to talk about this. Our guest, Calvin Murray, not to mention who his nephew is, but our, our guest was a hell of a baseball, one of the top high school baseball players in the country when he was coming out of Dallas, Texas, went to the University of Texas. We'll talk all about I mean, you were a really accomplished, at least amateur player, and then you had five or six big league seasons. Does it bother you that the only – thing that people want to ask you about is the bird you know i i guess i've kind of gotten accustomed to it mitch but yeah you know to a certain degree i'm like you know like i did i i mean i've done a few other things i was played in the olympics and i made it to the major leagues and you know yeah i've had a few other accomplishments and um you know what's what's really really funny is like now i go places mitch and i get the uh I get the bird. Like, you know, do you know Calvin was hitting when he hit the, when Randy hit the bird? Or you know what else I get? Oh, that's Kyler's uncle. And for a while, I was getting the, uh, you know, I'm like, man, my wife, we would go to parties and people would mention that to me and mention that to her. And she would be like, oh, no, that's not Kyler's uncle. That's Calvin. You know, like I, w- I was doing something before Kyler, you know? Well, let's point out that, and, and you just mentioned it. Cal- Calvin Murray's older brother, right? Your older brother yeah. is, is the father of Kyler Murray. I'm not sure whatever became a Kyler Murray. He's, he's doing something pretty good right about now. <laughs> but so we should point out because Kyler Murray was a fabulous baseball player. Everybody remembers that. And it went down to the nitty gritty, went down to the wire, whether he was going to choose to play baseball or play football. So his dad, your older brother, was a quarterback at Texas A&M. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Okay. So Kyler got his uncle's baseball baseball skills and his dad's quarterbacking skills which skill which skills were we, none of us know what kind of a baseball player Kyler Murray would have become had he played for the A's what's the answer to that question Calvin he was a, he's in a really explosive athlete as you've probably seen on the on the football field and I I, I, I liken him to like probably a uh Probably a guy like a, a young Andrew McCutcheon. He was a really not a, not the biggest guy, but mm-hmm. extremely powerful and um, dynamic. Yeah, he was just an explosive athlete. And um, you know, I told my brother a long time ago, back when he was like a ninth or so grade, that he had a chance to to go really really good. And I think that we both stayed in his ear pretty good, and and were able to help kind of grow him. And my brother did a great job of keeping him um, keeping Kyler 
playing both sports and juggling both sports and trying to trying to trying to be the best he could be in both sports. What, what would you say, Calvin? And I'm sure you played all the sports. I mean, you were an unbelievable baseball player. And and notice, by the way, I'm talking about everything but the bird right now. I want credit for this, Calvin. <laughs> I want credit for this. You um, got it. What would you say to parents out there that are listening to Unfiltered? who have kids that specialize in one sport. I mean, when I was a kid, I'm 53 now. When I was a kid, we played all the sports. We played seasonal sports. We didn't play year-round baseball or basketball. Everything has changed now, and you're the uncle of a guy who's a great example of how you can play multi-sports. What would you say to parents out there whose kids are focusing on one sport all season, all year long, Calvin? I'm of I'm the same line as you, Mitch. I would tell them to play as many sports as they can, you know, basketball as long as you can play football basketball baseball whatever you can Mm -hmm. and like the sports they'll help sort themselves out sometimes when they get to high school they can't do all three Mm -hmm. basketball may conflict with baseball or vice versa but i mean like you know you try to do as many as you can because each sport you get a different skill set i mean like football you, you you learn a lot about kids competitive nature basketball there's a lot of explosive movements in basketball with the quick jumping and the loose balls and baseball is not as, as quick a twitch sport. So everything is kind of calculated. So, I mean, like basketball helps with baseball as far as stolen bases and just being explosive athletes. So I would say play them all. And I'm completely against playing one sport all year round because you'll possibly burn your kid out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, you, you need them to – you want to put it down for four, three, four, five months. And then when they pick it up again, you want them to be thirsty and really, really hungry and excited to, to start playing again. It's like, man, Dad, I hadn't swung a bat in four months, man. I can't, Can we hurry up and go hit? You know, and you want that kind of enthusiasm there as opposed to Groundhog's Day when you're playing 11 months out of the year, you know, because you're in Florida or Texas. I get it. And, and by the way, the guest that you're listening to, Calvin Murray, just to give you an idea of what kind of guy he is or was or is, still is, he was one of the great baseball players in high school in America, was a first-round draft choice. What pick overall out of high school, Calvin, with the Indians? I was the 11, 11th pick by the Indians. 11th pick by the Indians in the first round, and he said no to the money because he dreamed of winning a national championship in college baseball at the University of Texas, and he broke the Indians' hearts and went and played college baseball. What a What a terrific part of the story that is. All right, let's... Let's get to the brass tacks. Now, I didn't know a lot about some of the surrounding events of that day when Randy delivered the fastball to you. What do you remember, maybe you don't remember much, about there being tension? It was a spring training game between the Giants and Diamondbacks, but apparently there was no love lost between the two teams and and maybe somebody posed after a ground rule double or something. What can you remember about the lead up to your at bat? Yeah. I mean, you had two really good teams that were competitive, same division. And obviously there was, you know, there was no love lost even between, you know, at the highest level, our managers, even though Dusty and Bob Brindley both were, um, were on the Giants coaching staff under Roger Craig, I believe Mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the early nineties when the Giants were really good. I think that, you know, even though they were long friends, I remember them having shouting matches back and forth across the dugout. So there was a lot of competitive vibes going on there. And, uh, and you are correct. I think we had one of our guys, uh, you know, Edwin Guzman, he was trying to make the club. And, and I think Randy, Randy had maybe, Randy had maybe threw a ball over his head yep. pretty close to him. Yep. And, uh, and Guzzi hit like a, a ground rule double and, um, and he kind of like admired it. And, I'm, and first of all, I'm thinking he's he admired it. And I'm thinking, first of all, you know, who you're dealing with 
And I'm like, and, and, and I'm coming up next and I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I hope that my thought process is like, you know what? Don't drill the guy hitting next. Hit the, wait till the guy that comes that, that did it. Wait till he wait eight more hitters and hang around and hit that guy, you know? And uh, so did you, did you think because somebody was interviewed recently, they thought you were going to get hit. They, they thought that Randy Johnson was coming after you after Guzzi posed on the ground rule double. I mean, I, I was going to try to get action fast. I was like, let me get something <laughs> over the plate. Let me put this ball in play and keep the line moving, you know? Okay. Yeah. So is it the first pitch that hits the bird? Is that right? I can't remember the count, honestly, Mitch, but I mean, I admit it was the first, it was, it was very early in the count. I remember asking, I think, I can't remember it was Ed Montague behind the plate, but I remember asking, is you know, ball ball, one? Do I get yeah, one? Yeah. Be, hey, kind of begging for ball one, trying to get a hit in the count on the unit. Did you get ball one? Okay. No. So what, what is it? What does it look like? You're, 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 you're zoning in and he throws what the catcher says was going to be a 98 mile an hour. By the way, here's what the catcher said. I'm just going to quote him. I'm not trying to cause any problems, Calvin. Yeah. Uh, here's what the catcher said. The projection of the pitch was definitely in the strike zone. It was going to be a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Calvin wouldn't have had a chance to put the bat on it. Wouldn't have had a chance. And we'll get to, by the way, what ended up happening in that at-bat because nobody likes to write that part of the story. But I've got the man on, so we will talk about that. He says 98 miles an hour coming at you, hits the bird, feathers everywhere, Calvin. Yeah, it sounds real good to say. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I may not have had a chance at that pitch, but thank goodness he gave me a pitch later on in the bat that I had a chance at. And, for, <laughs> and so, like, I got a good pitch to hit, and I end up doubling off the wall, so that was nice. really cool. I, nice. So I think that Rob, Rob was kind of, I guess, feeling pr- pretty excited or whatever else, and, like, uh, not to kind of pat myself on the back. For whatever reason, I was able to have some form of success against Randy, which – I can't even explain to you uh, throughout my career. You know, I got my I got my only major league grand slam against the guy. And he's like, you know, and um, the guy the guy's just a monster and oh, um, and a beast. But uh, okay, so yeah, what did it, so what did it look like? What did you think? I've read uh, our listeners have not read your accounts. I have, yeah. so I know what you're going to say. So you're 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 waiting on a pitch. It's a fastball, and then this explosion happens in front of you feathers everywhere how far in front of the plate would you say it was probably 15, 15 20 feet or so I'm like, yeah. and I'm thinking what the you know I mean my, <laughs> my initial reaction was like what the heck is going on and uh that I didn't say what the heck I, was, I substitute a few other words and um and my initial thought was like you know it was spring training game and baseball guys, we have a tendency that baseball guys can be kind of like jerks, smart Alex, yep. smart asses. Yep. And uh, and my initial thought, I'm telling you, Mitch, was I swear I thought the baseball had exploded for about two seconds. And it felt like it felt like 10 seconds, but I thought it was like a tricked up baseball, you know? Like a golf ball we've seen when somebody yes. hits a golf ball off the tee and it's a trick golf ball and it explodes, right? Something yes. like that? That's what yes. you thought it was? You thought it was a practical yes. joke. The whole thing was yes. a <laughs> Yeah, someone was like, "Come on, guys," you know, and like, my, but I re- the way I reacted, and like as I'm ye- as I'm yelling, "What the?" and the catch and the catcher's kind of reacting the same way. So then I realized that you know it took, it, like I said, it felt like ten seconds, but then I realized it wasn't a joke. And then like that's a damn bird, you know. <laughs> And, and, then, uh, and, and then where does the bird, I mean, whatever's left of the bird, where does that land? And tell the Jeff Kent story, Calvin. Yeah, yeah. the bird lands like down the first baseline. 
And, um, you know, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Outdoorsman, Jeff Kent, you know, he, with, it, with, with the quickness, he just kind of jumps up. It's right up his alley, right in his wheelhouse. Everybody else, everybody else is probably, nobody else is moving. Yeah. And that bird probably would have laid there for forever if, Jake, if JK wasn't there. Yeah. But uh, he walked out there and like, you know, scooped the bird up like it was no big deal. And I'm thinking like, seriously? And, um, and like, you know, thank goodness for him because we got the game got back. The game got back, you know, got back going. And then somebody lined a double off of the big unit off the wall. Uh, also hit a grand slam later in his career off of Randy Johnson. So did Randy crack a smile? Because I've told stories about Randy. I had some dealings with Randy over my 30 years or 25 years here in Seattle. One time I was walking through the clubhouse um, and he was eating chicken. He was sitting next to his locker eating chicken. I wasn't even looking at him. I wasn't even headed towards him. I was heading towards somebody else. And as I got close to him, he started to growl at me like a German shepherd would growl at you when you got close to <laughs> what you got. Did he did he smile at all? Did he crack a grin at all over all of this? No, no, I've never seen that guy smile. <laughs> you know, and I was always I was always a young and up and coming player or whatever else just trying to make my own way. And I'm like, you know, he was one dude that I wasn't trying to try or wasn't trying to test. And like, you know, he's kind of like that Nolan Ryan type where, you know, you kind of don't bunt. You, you feel like you get a base hit. You yeah. kind of you, you need to apologize and tell him that, you know, I would really wasn't trying to hurt you, sir. You know, kind of one of those type of dudes, you know, so, so like you got to go about your business. Hey, man, I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to make a living and don't be mad at me. What did Jeff Kent do with the carcass? I don't I don't know if J.K. came and put it in his locker. I don't know if he put it in, in the He probably put it in his locker. I'd like to think that he put it in the trash can in the, in the dugout, but uh, he probably held on to the thing for a while. Such a funny story. All right, go back. Because I think this part, while I have you on the show, I think this part is very interesting. Go back to being a high school All-American, terrific baseball player who could have signed for a bit. I mean, what was the what were the Indians offering back in those days, Calvin? Mitch, back then it was like it was eighty nine, and it was like three hundred thousand dollars, which would have been like the second highest signing bonus at the, ever at the time. Yeah, and um, you talk about the internal pressure that I was getting from people to say, "Hey, you gotta." You got to sign. You got to take this. You'll never get this type of money again. And I'm like, we told the entire Major League Baseball, the scouting bureau that we were go- we told them before the draft, hey, I'm going to college. I don't want to. I don't want you'll appreciate this. I, I'm going to school. And I do recall as a uh, as a 17 year old, I remember like Jack Zarenzig was a scout and Jack, oh, your sure, former. Sure. Yeah, Jack was a scouting director with the Mets back then. I think the Mets were picking probably fifth or sixth or whatever. Yeah. And I recall that Jack called me personally before the draft, like a few days before the draft, because they got the letter saying that I wasn't going to sign. And Jack Cal- called me. He was like, Calvin, what is this letter or whatever else? He was like, what is this? I said, Jack, if I were you, I wouldn't pick me. That's what I told him. And so he already, he'll remind Whenever I see Jack, he'll remind me of that story. He really appreciates my honesty in the whole deal. And like I said, I got a whole lot of pressure to sign. And my thought process was I really always had my heart set on going to college. I wanted to play in the College World Series. And um, I just wanted that experience. Yeah, That's you, where my heart was. And you became one of the greatest outfielders ever to play uh, Texas Austin. Do you still hold the stolen base record, Calvin? Yes, sir. Still do. Yep. Still do. I, met, I hold the stolen base record. I met my wife there. We still go back during the fall for football games. So we, we try to stay uh, active around there and try to try to go to the games when we can. And if you had to do it all over again, you'd do it exactly the same way, wouldn't you, Calvin? Yes, sir. 100%. Oh, boy. Any regrets? I mean, obviously, 
your big league career, I don't know what happened in the minor leagues. I know the big league career probably wasn't what you and everybody thought who threw expectations on your shoulders. How do you look back at your at your playing days, Calvin? I think, you know, I learned a lot later on in my career, and I wish a lot of things that I wish I had known earlier in my career. And I think a lot of that comes from experience. But, uh, I mean, I've, I mean like, I've had no regrets. I've met great people. I've had great coaches. It was a fun ride. I've been really, really blessed. And um, it would be really selfish of me to start, you know, yeah. to start, man, to start, you know, playing Monday morning quarterback because I hate that. I'm a big accountability guy, and I hate to, uh, you know, the buck starts and stops with me. I'm just glad I'm, I was. I'm really, really blessed the way things worked out, and I've been able to kind of use my experiences to kind of help out others, whether it's family members, my nephews, or or uh, younger kids or whatever sure. else. I've had, I've had a a bunch of good life files that I can kind of pull from to kind of help others out. Sure. And I'll ask you to end with telling us what you're doing these days because everybody knows the name Scott Boris. But before I do that, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was the greatest teammate you ever played with in college or pro? The greatest ball player you ever played with that was a member of your team? Barry Bonds professionally and collegially or Kurt Dressendorfer collegiately. Barry, yeah. Barry should, should be in the Hall of Fame or not be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, this guy was incredible. I think okay. he should, okay. yes. Okay. And Scott Boris, you're working for Scott Boris. Tell everybody what you're doing these days. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the certified agents under his umbrella. Scott was my agent when I played. So I've been with Scott since back out of high school back in 1988 before I, before I got drafted in 89. So I've been, you know, I've been affiliated with this company for a long time. And um, I, was here, I was here on the road watching some high school baseball. I'll bounce around and watch some college baseball as well and kind of watch players play, see our clients and evaluate guys and kind of, kind of help make decisions on players. Man. A life of baseball for Calvin Murray, right? A yeah, life well, of Mitch, baseball. Well, a year ago, I couldn't go to baseball games, so it's so refreshing to go sit in the stadium and watch a game right about now. You can't <laughs> say that enough, Calvin. Well, it is a great pleasure, and I know when I reached out to you a few days ago, I can sense when people people are tired about talking about certain subjects, and, and uh, I hope it wasn't too painful for you. I really appreciate you, you catching up with us here on Mitch Unfiltered and telling the story one more time. And the next person that asks you to tell the story, say, hey, just talk to Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send him your number, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Calvin. Terrific stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate it. Hey, it's time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Hey, Dan. Hey, Mitch. Things seem to be moving in the right direction for you guys at Zeke's. You're expanding both in dining room capacity and locations. Yeah, I got to tell you, it feels good to have some normalcy coming back. I think everybody's experiencing it, not just at Zeke's. I actually got stuck in traffic the other day. It actually felt good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's people out and about, and that includes at Zeke's in the dining rooms, and it's... Um, you know, it's just fun to have people back in, in our dining rooms and just being out. And the new locations coming where? Yeah, so we mentioned Bellingham. Uh, we're on track for late spring, early summer there. We're really excited about that one. Yep. Uh, we've also mentioned stuff like Seward Park, Mount Lake Terrace, White Center, Burien. So those are those are all in the pipeline and, uh, and more coming even after that. All right, so what's the Black family having delivered to their door these days in terms of pizza? in beer yeah <laughs> last time you asked me this i got in trouble because i went right into how the whole family was drinking hop tropic so for the record georgia is not drinking hop tropic but uh the whole family's eating cherry bomb pizza that's that's one of our classics and it's it's a fave out there and it's definitely one of the black family's uh favorites 
Uh, and then the beer right now is Moon Booter IPA. We brew it together with Old School House Brewery out of Winthrop, and it's it's just a really tasty West Coast IPA that you can you can drink a lot of or just sip it if you want. But it's it's really good. How's uh, the delivery arm of the business doing, Dan? It's good. It's still strong. It's uh, as people dine out more, there's uh, slightly less delivery and takeout, but what we make up for both in sales and then just excitement of having people back is totally worth it. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's to your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. I think that year after year after year, People get so excited on March 20th, March 22nd, whatever. Uh, and then they are almost always uh, disappointed with what happens and what ends up happening with the, you know, with the money that they didn't spend. The offense that Bill Belichick really loves playing, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, the offense they love playing is very tight and friendly. For Russell Wilson to have gotten to this point, he is the ultimate team cheerleader. You know, for those who don't know, he, at least until very recently, ended every yes. interview he did and every press conference he did with Go Hawks. It's amazing how the NFL seemingly just never goes away during their offseason. There's always something happening. Last two weeks, NFL teams manipulating their salary caps and trying to find ways to improve their personnel. Peter King Football Morning in America and NBC on episode 135. How are you, Peter? How are you this off season? <laughs> hey, Mitch. Well, you know, I guess it's better that everybody cares and everybody's excited and, and all that than, uh, than if it's a boring, dead time. But I would enjoy a, an off season one of these years. It doesn't seem <laughs> to ever happen, though. Last Friday was crazy. And interesting, so let's start there. Help me make sense of this. The Niners give the Dolphins two first-rounders and a third in order to go up from 12 to 3. That's a lot, but I suppose it's not a lot if you find your franchise quarterback, right? Well, I mean, I think there's so many tributaries to this part of it, really, Mitch. I mean, to me, the most interesting part of this is, well, I mean, there's two most interesting parts. One is that, you know, it's clear that uh, they were talking a good game with Jimmy Garoppolo, but they weren't really buying what they were saying. You know, John Lynch saying Jimmy's our guy and and all that. But at the end of the day, they uh, they hadn't been sold on Jimmy the player and certainly weren't sold on uh, Jimmy the player's availability. I mean, he'd missed... 23 regular season games in the last three years due to injury. And, um, but I think the other interesting part of this story is that um, if you look at the name that people in the know are saying that they might be interested in Mac Jones, I mean, here's what's crazy about it. If it is Mac Jones, Every year in the draft, it's it's really beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Different people have different feelings about different players, obviously. But what is crazy to me is that Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback in most people's eyes in this draft. And, you know, now if Mac Jones is picked as the third 
pick in this draft, if this happens, and there's no guarantee that it will or that he will, but if he gets picked, the San Francisco 49ers have invested three first-round draft choices in Mac Jones. And, man, that is an incredible investment in a guy who a lot of people have said he's not really a 2021 bright NFL prospect because he's not very mobile. But, you know, look, whenever I see Kyle Shanahan and quarterbacks talked about, if Kyle Shanahan thinks he's great for his offense, then uh, uh, I'm not going to say, boy, Kyle Shanahan's an idiot. I, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. And we don't even know that it is Mac Jones. But if it is, yeah, uh, that'll be, uh, be an interesting story. Do you figure that Garoppolo stays another year to ease the transition, or does he end up somewhere else like in Foxborough? You know, my gut feeling about it is that he's probably going to stay. Okay. Uh, for one year. But again, you can't tell because uh, who knows what the what offers are made and what really is going to happen, you know, between now and Labor Day. But I just sense that the 49ers would much rather have Jimmy Garoppolo play opening day, especially in a year. Mitch, we really still don't know what's going to happen, you know, with the off-season programs, whether there is going to even be regular off-season programs. And so if you don't know that, it's hard to sit there and say, okay, let's, let's uh, trade our only, you know, our veteran quarterback and go with a rookie. And I, I'm not sure that I would do that if I were them. And I think right now they're leaning toward not doing that. Flip side, Peter, football morning in America, the Dolphins. Don't waste any time moving back up from your Dolphins. My Dolphins. From 12 to 6. So for the Laramie Tunsil deal to Houston, everybody's talking about this. They end up getting four first round draft choices, a second or two seconds and a third. This is an unbelievable haul and an unbelievable situation the, the Dolphins are in, but I still have to ask the question. If Tua isn't the right pick and the right guy at quarterback, is it all for naught? You know, I liked their first trade. I like Miami's first trade, you know, in picking up the ransom from the 49ers to go back nine picks. Right. I did not love the second trade uh, because you are, you're saying something now that to me is, is really meaningful. And that is if – by the end of this year, they really have significant questions about Tua. How are they going to be able to get in position, when you think about it, to draft a you know his successor or, or you know or the next uh, you know there's Ryan Tannehill to a tag of Aloha, and then whoever it is next time. How are they going to be in position? They're only going to have one one next year. And think about it, Mitch. Their one next year is going to be San Francisco's one. That's right. Now, look, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch right now have been atop the 49ers for four seasons. Three of those seasons they've had a losing record. But I think most of us, well, I shouldn't say most of us, but I mean I feel like they're going to have a pretty good year this year and will probably end up 
either above 500 or well above 500. So if that's the case, if that's the case, you know, what we're doing here right now is we're basically looking at a situation where if you were to trust your judgment, or if I were to trust my judgment, I would say probably going to be a low one. Yeah. You know, no that, question. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe number 25 or you, you pick a number. Miami in moving up from 12 to six, I think has really made a questionable move because I don't know that they're going to be in position next year to get their quarterback if they need to. And they could have stayed at 12, kept the additional first round draft choice and then called John Schneider and said, if you can convince Russell Wilson to come to Miami, I know we're not on his list, but here's a boatload of first round draft choices, second round draft choices. If they had stayed at 12, now they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have traded to go from 12 to 6 and traded another first-round draft choice if they were going to make that phone call, Peter. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm probably a naive person, but <laughs> I don't think Russell Wilson's getting traded. Um, and again, I'm not – I never in this situation, never would say never because there's just too much smoke there, but – I just believe Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I'm not. I don't know they're going to live happily ever after for the next ten years, but I don't think he's going to get traded this offseason. How about next offseason? Maybe. Let's see what happens. You know, as I look at the situation, Mitch, there's no question that the John Schneider and Pete Carroll uh, have to be chagrined that the nicest guy in the world has taken his dissatisfaction public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, I don't know any other way that they could look at it. But my feeling also is that, you know, this, if, if, if you are running the Seahawks, how did, how did uh, Marshawn Lynch last so long there after everybody in football knew that Marshawn Lynch was the biggest headache his last year or so in, you know, when he was still a really good running back? How did he last so long uh, when everybody in the world knew that he was impossible to get along with uh, by coaching and management Mm -hmm. inside the Seahawks? And the way that that did last for a long time is that Pete Carroll is able to put up with stuff that maybe a lot of coaches are not able to put up with. So it would surprise me if they couldn't find a way to coexist and to get along. The last time that you and I chatted, you said I would spend, if I were John Schneider, the entire offseason trying to find an offensive line to protect Russell Wilson. I think those were your words. Well, they got Carson back. They got Dunlap back. They got this guy Hyder, Gerald Everett. Gabe Jackson is the one offensive lineman that they did go out and get so far. They lost Jaron Reed, Shaq Griffin, David Moore, maybe K.J. Wright. They only have three draft choices in the upcoming draft as of the moment. Um, are they better today, in your estimation, the same or worse? I think it's too early to judge okay. because I believe that there will be, um, after June 1, I believe that there will be a lot of of movement around the league because I still think that teams are going to be 
cutting and pasting their uh, their rosters together. Okay. You know, there's this thing inside the NFL, this post-June 1 cut date, okay? And, you know, you gain advantages on your salary cap because you're able to spread out somebody's cap hit. If you get rid of somebody post-June 1, then you can have half of it done this year and half of it next year. So I still think there are going to be some of those uh, guys who are cut. And you know, I also think that if you look at the landscape, and I don't have the list in front of me, I think uh, Alejandro Villanueva is still available with the Steelers. Uh, you know, the Steelers tackle. There are There are players available who I think are going to be available for some money that isn't as much as they want right now if they want to continue to play football. And that's why I think it's too early to say, you know, what do you think of the Seahawks? Because still, obviously, this is not a great offensive line, and I still think that uh, they need to do some plaster and, and, and work there. Final question for Peter King, Football Morning in America. The last two weeks of free agency is the top story nationally, the most interesting story for you and all your brethren, the Patriots and what Bill Belichick has done or something else? I mean, the Patriots are so interesting because Belichick has never done it to this level. Uh, Robert Kraft told me last week that, um, you know, he's never had to spend so much money and, you know, the guaranteed money and the bonuses. He had to write an awful lot of checks (laughs) after a season. When you think about it, after a season, when he didn't have nearly as much money coming in. So that was something that I think was uh, was real surprising. And the other thing about the Patriots is, if you think about it, uh, by my count, somewhere between 8 and 11 of their acquisitions, not including the guys who are coming back, to their team or, or who were, you know, who were on their team last year, David Andrews, like, you know, and who are, who just resigned with them. But in between eight and 11 new starters, uh, wow. they've, they've signed. And so, I mean, to me, that is a huge makeover on your team. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, Belichick is obviously is really, really smart. But as I wrote last week, Belichick, the uh, the personnel man, has really let down Bill Belichick, the coach, because the personnel man has drafted lousy in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the polar opposite to the Patriots, by the way, as we finish, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think I just read this online, they become the first team in, in salary cap history to win a Super Bowl and bring back all 22 starters. All 22 are coming Mitch, back. That's amazing. Well, Mitch, as you as you will read uh, in Football Morning in America this week, okay, I make a case. I make a case that the most important 35 members of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are back. Wow. Okay, and if and and that 35 includes the 22 starters, the kicker and the punter. So that's 24. The four players on the roster who played the most in the Super Bowl uh, but didn't start in the game, so that's 28. Uh, The two guys who didn't start and either were hurt or didn't play much in the Super Bowl, Ronald Jones, O.J. Howard, that's 30. Okay? And now how about Bruce Arians, his three coordinators, 
and general manager Jason Light. Jeez Louise. 35 wow. people who I consider to be the most important oh. people who, who won that, who won the Super Bowl. All 35 wow. are back. That is a hell of a story, and that's a perfect story to finish on because we'll, we'll read the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, in Football Morning in America. Uh, brought to you by Peter King, who's always kind to us. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for being back with us. Great. All the best to you, Mitch. Next up on Mitch Unfiltered, John Waterstrat, owner, Fireside Home Solutions. John, 2021 is going to be a better year for all of us. You and I rarely talk about your outdoor units and your fire pits, and I'm loving what I'm seeing on your website at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Talk about that arm of your business. Yeah, great question. Our manufacturers that create the indoor fireplace create outdoor fireplaces. So we have everything from an outdoor fireplace that's fully made to be outside, stainless steel, and also fire pits. We can take that great gathering space that we have inside and create one outside. So again, on those cool spring and summer nights that you want to continue to spend some time with your friends, we can turn those fireplaces and keep everybody warm. What's the latest uh, on scheduling, delivery, installation timeframes? Great question, Mitch. Uh, we've been very blessed with great manufacturers. They've held steady to their uh, schedule. We're still able to install units between three to four weeks, so not too late to buy. We still have this cold January snap that we're going through in February. Just had a windstorm just the other day. So when those power outages come, you can throw that insert on and keep yourself warm in your home. And by the way, while fireplaces pay the mortgage at John Waterstrat's place, that's not the only thing you guys do at Fireside Home Solutions and do very well. Yep. Uh, we not only do fireplaces, but we do do garage doors. Garage doors has been a great business, something we've got into five to six years ago. Again, it's a very complimentary business. And when we design indoor spaces, now we can take the outdoor of your house. A garage door makes up about 30 to 40% of your home on the front view. We can change that up for you, give you a traditional look, modern look. We can install it design it and then same thing as our fireplaces we can service it for life so it's been a great business and we just were able to do my uh, golf club at linden and put all nice. those doors in there nice what would mitch unfiltered be without great partners like fireside home solutions and john waterstrat start your search for a fireplace or garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com Lindsay Schwartz is back with us. He's the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, of course. And I'd imagine, Lindsay, that with expanding dining room capacities, vaccines, you guys should be seeing some forward momentum these last few weeks and months at Daniel's Broiler. We are for sure. It's been a crazy year, obviously. But uh, over the past several months, every week we get a little bit busier. And uh, now that we can seat up to 50% capacity and tables of 10, we've got pretty much every available seat full every night. So you have Les Shy, South Lake Union, and the Bellevue locations open. Tell me a little bit about what that's meant to your business, the expanded capacity in the dining rooms. Well, you know, we sell the six foot rule. And so at 50% now, it's about as many tables as we could conceit and still keeping them six feet apart. So it's about as much business as we'll be able to do until there's a, another significant change. But it's good. You know, we, we're fortunate that we have pretty big footprints in our locations, and we're able to seat a lot of people. And remember, we have outdoor seating at all three locations as well. So um, uh, we got a good amount of seats available. Nice. Takeout and delivery on the rise at Daniel's Broiler as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the one of the nice things that's come out of all this is we've really, really seen a huge upswing in our delivery to go business. And, and even as we get more people back inside, the delivery takeout continues to be really, really solid. So we think that's a really a new piece of business for us that's here to stay. And uh, it just gives people more options. We all love special occasions at Daniel's Broiler. And before you know it, Mother's Day will be here, Lindsay. Yeah, that's one of the biggest days of the year, one of the biggest weekends of the year. It's really nice that we now can do groups of up to 10. And as you said, more people are getting vaccinated. And for people who want to come out and have a larger group, a group up to 10, we can now accommodate that. So we're really excited. And just in time for Mother's Day, it's going to be a really great day. Fantastic. Always been a great partner of mine, both in the radio days and now with Mitch Unfiltered. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, episode 135. Hot shot, go. An unidentified Connecticut man bought a bull from a yard sale, all right, near New Haven. A bull. A bull, just a bull that he just thought was pretty cool. Okay. $35 for a bull seems like a, a lot at a yard sale. Well, yeah. Appraiser, he thought maybe there was a chance it could be like a really old bull. He wasn't sure, so he had it appraised and determined that it dates back to the Ming Dynasty of the early 1400s. Right. And its estimated worth is between three and $500,000 for a bull he bought for 35 bucks at a yard sale. Well, turns out that these appraisers were completely right because it did sell for $721,000. Oh, my God. $35 investment. Yeah. Oh. There was a four-way bidding war going for it. What's so. his return? What's his percentage return on that? Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't do the math on that. <laughs> Eastgate State. So for those that, that turn your nose up to the yard sales, you might oh, want to start You right. never know when you find a dog. I used to go around looking, looking for sports cards, like a yeah, sure. Honus Wagner rookie card in somebody's <laughs> right. garage. Yes, of course. That, those are out there everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're just uh, sitting around. Yeah. Two teens lived my nightmares. They were stranded for two hours. You know what the slingshot riot is? Can you picture that? It's yeah. like... It's those two enormous, like, bungee cords that just shoot you up yeah, in the like, air. And there's, like, two people on That's it. That's right. And it yes. kind of flips around. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't even look at I can't even look at it either. Yeah. yeah. One of the cables broke. No. Of course. And no, where we're we talking about here. Um, it was, well, I, it's in Florida, but I don't want you to think I'm doing a Kissimmee or Kissimmee yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they were stranded. Near Orlando. 30 to 40 feet in the air for about two hours and were rescued by firefighters using a ladder truck. They declined medical attention. They were fine. But uh, the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services says the four slingshot rides and operations in the state have been temporarily closed so they can have a look-see to see if anything else is frayed anywhere else. (laughs) Are you a rides guy, though? Because the older I get, the, the the less I like it. I don't know. No, I, I tend to get have a sour stomach a little bit on those rides. It upset you like a car sick type? Uh, yeah, a little nausea. Oh, I get, a little, okay. I get a little nausea. A little uh, nausea. A little nausea. Uh, yeah, I'm not. No, <laughs> I'm not a big ride. That guy. one does nothing for me. Like, I, 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 we go to Disneyland or California Adventure. I enjoy the roller coaster. It's fine. I remember as that a one. kid, oh. I remember as a kid, my family taking me to Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. In California. Sure. And they took me on a ride. I was a kid. Either my brothers or somebody took me on a ride called the Corkscrew. Okay. Now that doesn't have a good sound, do it? Does it? No. The corkscrew? Yeah, yeah I did that. Sounds like stomach problems or yeah. just oh, nausea. Yeah. I, I'm still, it's like 45 years ago and I'm still <laughs> sick to my stomach. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you know the name Zach Wilson? Am I up or do sure, you want to get it? You know the name Zach Wilson? 
No. He's going to be drafted in the top two or three picks in the upcoming NFL oh, draft. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the quarterback out of BYU. Oh, sure. He yeah, had his yeah. pro day the other day. Did you see the throw? I did. He's going to his left, and he oh, threw my. back across his body. Like I know. 60 yards on a dime to somebody. Incredible. Ridiculous. Yeah. What the hell is that? That's making the rounds all over the internet. What and is it with BYU and their quarterbacks? Like, Remember for a while there, it was like Jim McMahon. Oh, and yeah, it was Ty quarterback Detmer. you. And, yeah, yeah. What? What is it about? But that was 40 years ago, McMahon. Mark what? Wilson. Do you remember Mark Wilson? Yeah, I think he's a local guy, isn't he? Yeah, Port, we, I Port think we decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always these great quarterbacks that would come yeah. out Gifford of Nielsen before your day. Gilford, yeah, I don't remember Gifford, Gifford Nielsen. Gifford Nielsen, yeah, who came to BYU. But yeah, that throw's incredible. People are. You uh, know who cut his teeth as a coach at BYU? Uh, Steve Sarkeesian? He was at BYU. No, he was a quarterback He at was BYU. a quarterback, yeah, yeah. 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 Didn't have that a kind of A guy named arm. Holmgren. Oh, that's was right. Was once a coach, was a, w- once either a graduate assistant or assistant at, uh, at BYU. I think I knew that, yeah. And this is, uh, this is from the Not Sure Anyone Cares department of the NBA. You probably won't care as I start it, but you might care as I finish it. All right. Did you see LaMarcus Aldridge is uh, signing with the Brooklyn Nets? He was, you know, he's a Spurs, San Antonio Spurs umpteen all-star yeah yeah they bought him out that's what's happening these days with a lot of these high-priced players they bought him out because they're not good anymore okay. so they bought him out making him a free agent and he's decided to 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 turn to turn over to the uh to the brooklyn nets okay that's lamarcus aldridge signing with the nets after blake griffin was bought out by the detroit pistons and signed with the nets and that's after james harden <sighs> was traded from houston to the nets which was after KD decided to sign with the Nets, which came after Kyrie Irvin went to Brooklyn to become a star. They have all of those guys. And oh, by the way, DeAndre Jordan, the seven-footers there too. So they've got Kyrie Irving. I guess nobody cares about this. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Jordan. That's uh, DeAndre Jordan. That's like their first six guys. Just hand the trophy to them? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, but it's kind of interesting. They got like a... They got more all-star appearances in that particular group than anybody in the NBA. What does Kevin Durant have left? You've been watching him? Yeah, he's good. He's still good. But he's been hurt. He hasn't been playing a lot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still good. He was out for a while. Plenty left. Achilles or something. Yeah, plenty left. Still just yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. He he ruptured his Achilles a couple years ago. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't seen him play since he's been healthy. Yeah, it'll be an interesting... If if people like the NBA anymore in our audience, I guess a lot of people don't, but I do. Well, I think people are maybe a little sick of LeBron and the Lakers, so this might be kind of fun to see. Yeah, I don't like this team either. Though, because the of the personalities, I don't like Harden. Okay, Kyrie's difficult, right? He's okay. I don't, I, I don't like these teams that go out and do this. And I'm a Clipsies fan, so I don't know. Right. Whatever. I guess they did too. They went and got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Anyway, that's my. That's a couple of my other stuff. Stuff. I thought Blake Griffin other was stuff, stuff. going to be the best power forward in the history of the NBA. I saw his last college. I was at his last college oh, game for Oklahoma. Yeah, you were. It was in Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It looked like he was playing on a Nerf hoop on the back of his door. Do you he remember? Got so high. Do you remember hearing that Elvis used to eat peanut butter and banana, banana sandwiches? Not only Elvis, this fella right here. Really? I got family from Tupelo, Mississippi. Where really? Elvis do, you, was born. do you blast the music in your car and eat in the car? <laughs> I, tell, I don't eat in the car, but when I, as soon as I get home, ten of them right down the hatch. Right down the hatch. <laughs> and you can grill them too if you grill them. Yeah. yeah. The place where he grew up getting them is in Memphis, Tennessee, and my father and I went. We we made a point to go to that little oh. diner, and we saw the booth where he sat. And had peanut butter and banana sandwich. Did you get one? We also, I also that 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 trip was fun. That was an NCAA trip. The, the Sooners were playing in the I think in the final eight. They lost I think to North Carolina in his final game. Uh, we sat down with Jim. Jim Nance wanted to meet my dad for all, at all 
for all intents and purposes. It was very interesting. Really? Yeah. Jim he had, Yeah, he had heard. He knew about my dad and my relationship, and he had asked to meet my father. So we had, we sat down, had coffee with. And I don't drink coffee, but we had. Uh, <laughs> We sat down with Jim Nance. That was fun. It was a fun, fun week in Memphis, or fun few days in Memphis. Your dad must have thought that his son was pretty cool at that moment, introducing you know, like the fact that Jim Nance knew you a little bit and cared enough to meet him. He must have thought his son was pretty cool. I mean, that's that's a pretty. I mean, your dad's a big sports fan. He must have really enjoyed that. Let me see how I respond to this. <laughs> yes or no? My my dad thought that Jim Nance was fortunate that Mitch Levy was willing to sit down okay. and have. Okay, good to know. Yeah. All right, gotcha. My dad. No, <laughs> big, no. Big Mitch it, it was, it was, it was not. It was not a question of whether he thought I was cool. Okay. And I, in his eyes, Jim Nance couldn't hold us. His jock strap, Mitch Levy's jock strap. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, that's that's a good dad right there. All right, 79-year-old Arizona golfer broke a world record and Ooh. raised money for charity by hitting 1,050 drives at least 200 yards inside a 35-yard grid. Holy cow. 1,050 How drives. How old is he? 79. Good for him. Bob Kurtz, who's Guinness World Records. Let's have him on. Get him. Yeah, right. Put him on Mitch Unfiltered. People will get a kick out of him. He's got another You know one. I like old guys. Uh, yo, golf and old guys. <laughs> this is your dream. I mean, hold, you guys might I four hours. The, I may quit Unfiltered. <laughs> right. This he, is the way I go out. He also hit, uh, or he, see, 1,850 holes in one week he played. 1,850 wow. holes in one week. And he went to the Top Golf in Scottsdale, which I've been to, uh, to the driving oh, range I've on Thursday. I've heard about those Top Golf places. I've never been to one. They're awesome. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't play golf or love golf, but right. they're, they're no. really fun. Yeah. You sit there and they... they you you know, once told me my, I can't afford it, what it would do to my reputation if I was seen at a golf course. <laughs> that, that's playing 18. I mean, I can't put the silk pants on and the collared shirt. <laughs> silk pants. I don't know. Whatever you guys Who? wear. <laughs> I don't know what is Who it. Who wears silk pants? <laughs> Whatever those cockamamie golf pack. God, oh I can't buddy. be seen on a golf course. But no, Top Golf's fun. They bring food and drinks around. You just smack some balls and keep stats. Or anyway, it's fun. Top Golf. I think you'd enjoy Top Golf. I'm sure I would. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, you go have fun. Uh, so some dipshit morning radio host. I, I, Mitch I, I, Levy. Well, yeah. there's a couple in this room that did yeah. morning radio that are yeah. both dipshits. Yeah. Rob Lederman, he was uh -huh. on Buffalo's 97 Rock. Oh. Has been s canned after uh, comparing. The skin color of three famous African American women to the women to the color of toasted bread, classy, yeah. Um, a couple of the co-hosts have also been suspended, including Rich Bull Gainsler, who also lost gigs as the in arena host for the Sabers and the uh, Buffalo Bandits lacrosse team. Nice one. Uh, the worst part about this story to me is that. These dorks had jobs in morning radio, and you and I didn't. I mean, god damn. You know, these guys have been cashing checks, and this is who they are? Like, how did this never come out earlier? But yeah. So just so you know, get your resume ready. There's an opening in Buffalo at, uh, what was it? 97 Rock. You and I can take over mornings there. Mitch Levy is exactly who they want. <laughs> That's right. Gonna, uh, we're going to clean dear. it up around we'll, here. We'll bring the whole Uptown China staff with us. That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's what they're looking for, uh, right? All right, my last one. I don't know if you've got a, a, a one to go out on. My last one is, the. I feel kind of guilty because you always have these fun stories, non-sports stories, but I then bring you back to, I go I go LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, but I did golf. I have a golf story. Okay, okay. I got a tennis story Did you too. see that Leonard Fournette re-signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after the rumors that he might be headed elsewhere, including at one point the Seattle Seahawks? Did I did you see, see that? that, yes. That brought an end to one of the great statistical oddities in all the NFC offseason, uh, NFL's offseason. Okay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with the re-signing of Leonard Fournette, become the first team in the history of the NFL since the salary cap was invented to win the Super Bowl one year and, been, and bring back 
They're 24 starters, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, kicker and punter. All 24 wow. from a Super Bowl team coming back to Tampa next year. That's impressive. Now, that's a good story. You're making it like it's football. <laughs> Had you have stopped with, they re-signed Leonard Fournette. Okay, your turn. Eh, you know, eh. But that's interesting. That's, a re- that's really interesting. So are they now the odds-on favorite to win so the Super Bowl? What I would do there if, they were, if it was just about Leonard Fournette re-signing with the Bucks, and I was wondering whether you sh- I should bring it up and then you seem not to be interested, that's when I throw back the music in the car. I go right back to oh, the music you do? in the car. <laughs> Nice. That's a good That's move. That's the way I go right back to that. That's I have move. a tennis story about 19-year-old Jack Draper. I don't know if you saw this. Don't was, know Jack Draper. He was making his debut on the ATP tour last week, frighteningly collapsed on the court. No. Oh, I did see that a tennis player collapsed. At the Miami Open. Yes. Yes, I did see. Couldn't handle the heat, but thankfully he said he was afterward, okay? he was all right. Yeah, but 19. Kind of scary that he collapsed. I think yeah. he was he was I think he had some heat exhaustion and then yeah. tried to tough it out and he shouldn't have gone back out there. But yeah. anytime you see someone collapse on a, a court or a field, it's pretty bad. All right, a couple of RIPs. Oh, I have one too. I'm sure you do, and I'm going to skip that one because I, I feel like I, I know which one you're going to do. I'm even surprised that you know who he is. Well, I saw the story, but... If Did you know same, who he was before? If it's, Is it the one about the, the coach that we yeah. actually had on? No, no, he's never been on Mitch oh. Unfiltered. You got one that... You got a Mitch Unfiltered coach who died? Well, no, a, a player for Grand Canyon oh, University. Oh, yeah, I did see that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, brutal. He was 23 Bryce years Trusky, old. Yeah, he he scored eight or ten points in the first round game. Yeah. Oscar yeah. Freire. Yeah, he scored in some eight. sort of a car accident. Is that, that right? That's right. Yeah. He uh, uh he was in an SUV around 2:30 uh, a.m. He it, coincidentally they they veered off the road. Maybe somebody fell asleep, but they happened to hit a CHP, a California Highway Patrol vehicle, smashed into it. The the, uh, the two police officers are going to recover. They lived, but yeah, 23 years old, slammed into the vehicle and. Um, yeah, passed away. He was just playing the tournament, uh, scored eight points. And I thought about him because we had the coach on and the whole thing. So anyway, rest in peace yeah, to him. Bryce Drew. That's yeah. not the one that I, that I, that's the one I thought you were going to do. Really? Yeah. Who else do you have? Jessica Walter. Don't know who that is. You'd know her if you saw her. She's, she's Emmy nominated. She was on the show Arrested Development with Jason Bateman that you probably didn't watch, I'm sure. Yeah, I like Jason Bateman. Okay. Well, um, yeah, she died in her sleep at her New York City home on Wednesday. Don't know who that is. She was in the movie, the scariest movie about radio ever called play misty for me it's i thought the scariest movie about radio was the guy eric bajoy eric bagoyan or you know what? he was the talk show host who got who got murdered or he thought he was going to get mur- talk radio um, oh yeah you what know was what i'm that? talking about i don't think he it, was the the caustic sports or not sports radio but re- talk show host who ended up getting i don't know I don't know. Yeah, what I what was that? I, I, I remember that I'm movie. I'm making that up. I may be making that but up. But Play Misty for me was like 1974 or something. Okay. It was with Clint Eastwood, and she was yeah. the scary part. Anyway, okay. so rest in, and she won an Emmy in 1975 for Outstanding Lead Actress and yeah. all that. So she was a real... If you saw her face, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I recognize her. So rest in peace. Are those the only... You don't have a Howard Schnellenberger in there? No. Do you know Howard Schnellenberger? The old Miami Hurricane coach? Yeah, he just died. I didn't see that A couple one. of days ago. Missed yeah. it. Yeah. Huge figure. I know we don't do Florida men. But huge figure in the state of Florida for a couple of reasons. He was Don Shula's offensive coordinator in the early 1970s for a team that we celebrate every year on Mitch Unfiltered with some champagne. I didn't know that. And then he was what you should know. I do know. The man who turned it all around. How did he do that? You got to understand 
that when he took over the Miami Hurricane football program, you think of the Miami Hurricane football program as that incredible dominant team that beat Washington up and should have uh, won the national championship. Not that Husky way. Stadium, they didn't. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> Shared the national championship with the Huskies. Yes, I remember that. I, I, I thought you were going to refer to uh, Napoleon Kaufman in the Orange Bowl. Oh, down. how did I? How could I forget Richard Thomas? <laughs> Richard Thomas with that that screen pass. Oh, it was incredible. Uh, yes, I Howard remember. Schnellenberger was the the U as they call it. Yeah, would have not been the U. Jimmy Johnson would have. Howard Schnellenberger turned it around, and in I think it was 1983, with Bernie Kosar as the quarterback. Yep, took him into the Orange Bowl undefeated, and against the Nebraska Cornhuskers and Tom Osborne. Yeah, and 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 Turner Gill I think was the quarterback. Maybe not. Uh, Nebraska was like a two-touchdown, 17-point favorite in the Orange Bowl. Miami upset them for their first national championship. Nebraska went for two on the last play of the game. They they scored to get to within one. They could have kicked the extra point to tie, but instead they went for two. Oh. Miami stopped the two, and that started the U. That's when Jimmy Johnson ended up coming in, winning championships. Dennis Erickson came in, Michael Irvin, a whole crew. Howard Schnellenberger was the guy who started it all. Yeah. Passed away over the last couple of days. I remember seeing on the 30 for 30 about the U, which is really good if you haven't seen it, that he was he he realized that if you just recruit in Miami. In Miami. He's like the first one to look around in Miami in these neighborhoods and like there's a lot of talent here. Let's <laughs> let's start here. You think? And and then all the players started colluding. All these guys from these different high schools, the best like let's just stay home, dude. It's, the school's 10 minutes from my house. Let's stay here. We'll, we'll win this mother if we all stay here. And then the, it just skyrocketed right after all those players just started staying home. So, yeah, I, I do know about him. and Yeah. Yeah. Big figure. Larger-than-life figure in the state of Florida football. Anyway, that's as, all I got. As much as everyone that's it. like hated the U unless you live there, looking back on it, that was a pretty damn fun time. They, they would Except kick- when they got off the, the plane at the Fiesta Bowl against Penn State and the fatigues. Yeah, I like the fatigues, though. That's pretty awesome. And then they got, lo- then they got upset. Vinny Testaverde decided to throw, like, six interceptions that game. Yeah. Yeah, but but they would good. they would kick your ass, tell you they're going to kick your ass, <laughs> and then remind you that they kicked your ass. I mean, they were the most obnoxious team ever, but they were good. I mean, they would whoop people's butts. That by the way, Catholics versus convicts. Have you seen that yeah, one? Yeah, I have. Yeah, sitting with that that Bears fan last night, my neighbor. He's actually mentioned in that. He told me really. He went to high school with the guy that sold the shirts. Oh, and his last yeah. name is Stanky. So at one point, you hear the guy go, "Stanky, Stanky, uh, t- ten bucks, Stanky," <laughs> on a walkie-talkie. Remember they had walkie-talkies. So anyway, that's his big claim to fame. He told me that last night. All right, do you want do you want some more? Or do you want me no, to go to my last that's, one? That's, that's it. That's that's it. That's okay, it. do you want me to read the the baseball uh, standings again, just to make sure we don't offend anybody? That's up to you. This is your time to shine, kiddo. This is where you get your next job. <laughs> a Costco customer. <laughs> I can't do it again. A Costco Costco customer will be able to pursue his lawsuit alleging that his hopes of reconciliation with his ex-wife were dashed when a store pharmacist wrongly told her that his erectile dysfunction medication was ready for pickup. So this guy sends his ex-wife to pick up his prescription, okay, for, yes. for something completely different, like blood pressure medication, whatever. Oh. Right? He, oh. He, he, doesn't, he claims he doesn't want this erectile one, but what happened was his doctor gave him some free samples and the pharmacist thought that that was just a reoccurring prescription. So this is like the third time he's had he, that, that they've prescribed this. This, according to him, <laughs> this is the third time it's been prescribed. Okay. And he's like, I don't okay. want this. He canceled it. Yeah. He sends his wife to pick up his whatever medication. Yeah. And they throw that in the bag too. 
And the guy, the, the, the cash register guy even made a joke with his ex-wife about it, which is completely unprofessional, right? Some sort of HIPAA violation or something there, right? So she gets home and says, hey, I, I know about your uh, new medicine and you and I are never getting back together. I think she just assumed that he was gallivanting without her. And uh, yeah, she wasn't too happy. So uh, a trial judge tossed Shepard's suit, ruling that Costco had immunity from damages under an Arizona law that applies when a medical disclosure is made in good faith. So I'm not even sure that I knew that Costco does far pharmacy oh yeah it's like from what i hear it's really good deals on yeah just like everything in costco yeah Yeah. big big pharmacies he essentially has to prove that the pharmacy did not act in good faith that there was malice it's going to be tough tough to prove that they were purposely trying to screw him over okay in fact I, i don't like his chances in court the case seems a little flimsy I don't know if my wife's a patron or not, but if she is, oh wait, this isn't the patron show. I wrote this for the last one. Damn it. I don't know if my wife listens to the show or not, but um, please look, please know that my doctor keeps accidentally prescribing stuff to me too. Total accident. I've I've never seen that in my life. The poor guy had to see his doctor the night she got home because they had an argument that lasted over four hours. Does that one hit home at all? (laughs) See your doctor if you have something that lasts over four hours. No, damn it. Free sample? That stuff ain't cheap. Oh, sorry. I was writing a text. Just a second here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, when Shepard got home, his neighbor heard about the story and asked him, hey, do you know if you can get it over the counter? Shepard said, probably if you take two. (laughs) Stupid old joke. How many complaints are we getting? Oh, seven to ten. I, I, I think that the complaints come from like it was uh, like anything to do with religion. I think that's kind of what, what. Oh, yeah. You set some people off. With yeah. yeah. I don't think it's just religion, though. <laughs> just overall inappropriateness. I think it's your presence. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the same guy I noticed that, that com- uh, really got upset with me for the last one. Yeah. When you announced that Hamilton was coming on, he, of course, had to send something else all about, oh, what a classy guy. Imagine if he was the host. <laughs> The good old days of Hamilton. Uh, He's a class act, that Jason Hamilton. All right, I think we've done enough. I think think we've entertained enough. I think we've pissed enough people off. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Mitch Unfiltered, episode 135. Become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. Hey, it's in the books.